Huh? Comfortable? I yeah, am. Thank is, you. Yeah, I was telling. Oh, uh, now I know he's a millionaire. Cause oh yeah. Oh, because nice of my six albums on the wall. I'm a, yeah, man. This is I didn't make those albums. Let's oh. do. You want to do a show? <laughs> John Huck. Coffee John's coffee. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Garrett let's, Morris, do you want to do a let's show? Let's do a show. I, I'd love the to do a show. The legend Garrett Morris. They've got me tied up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Call the police. So it turns out <laughs> that was know, quick. This isn't live, so they're not going to get this until okay. long after we've gotten our ransom. Well, when you do get it, we're the, we'll we would be the you. world's worst kidnappers <laughs> if we put this out. You're still here. You're still here. People listen. They go, hey, no one's seen Garrett since he went to do this podcast. Maybe you should question those two idiots. And he did ask for help in the podcast that they posted. He said he, he actually claimed he was tied up. So. I am. No, and I didn't mean like metaphorically or whatever. He meant like with ropes. Though. Yeah, like with a, ropes and yeah, shit. Chains his hands. And stuff. Remember roots. It would be bungee cords anyway. That's I have a lot of bungee cords to keep things down. Well, actually, I, I don't uh, mind bungee cords. That's okay, that's good. That's good. My, you're going to be tied up. My girlfriend and I did that last night. Oh, oh see, I bet yeah. you no one's ever asked you that on a yeah, podcast. Yeah. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. And I I'm think Gary my ring. <laughs> <laughs> I think my ring doorbell just stopped the music while it was playing. Oh, did someone Stop ring me. your doorbell? Probably just another update of like the, the I have those I ring doorbell music, security right? systems. You heard music? Oh, there yeah. it is. There's what music? Are you okay? Have, yeah, he doesn't He's have. Uh, Does this show have on. music to intro like some it yeah. shows do? Yeah. It's hooray for Hollywood, a classic. Hooray I am Hollywood. on a show that has hooray for Hollywood. That's right. What about Ray Charles? You know, drowning in well, that's a, well, tears that's, or shit. That's uh, Ray Charles is like that's too classy. It's well, like, we're and not also Julep. Garrett, we would have to pay for that. Yeah, also, Hooray for Hollywood is... Uh... That's right, because this... By the way, I'm not getting paid for 10 hours of work, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Marathon Show. We're Gar- raising... Garrett out somehow to... thinks this podcast is going to take 10 hours. I think he thought it was a, it was a telethon. Ladies and gentlemen, telethon. I'm here. I'm here with Brian Urban and John Huck because I have no taste. <laughs> Okay. You heard it here first, ladies and I gentlemen. I have very low taste. When did you lose your taste? Huh? Yeah, where'd you Actually, <laughs> I'm speaking truthfully. I can't taste a damn thing <laughs> with these stuff. Really? My olfactory nerve went right, and it affects your taste. So I can't smell anything. I can't smell flowers. I can't smell... <laughs> you can say whatever you want, but you can't pussy. smell farts. Can't smell, can't smell pussy. You can't okay. smell farts. I can't. Oh, great. I can't smell... Oh, what a bummer. Yes. Well, I mean, oh, no. I think it's going to be fact, something that... Like, you heard about the guy who put off the plane, right? Yes, you're saying. Wouldn't have bothered you. For flatulence. I could have been there and not I was known say, a damn ne- thing. Next time, next time I'm around you, I might just test that. He has to be right about 80 years old, because at 80, one thing you are officially the curmudgeon and a father. Really? Yeah. It just yeah. happens. You have, nothing. you have a right to argue and rant and rave. <laughs> you have a right to fart. And to, fart to fart openly in public. Openly yeah, in yeah, public. Yeah. We're, you're a farter understand. your whole life. But yes. Like, but when you're younger, you're right. You should go in the other room. You should go use a bathroom if you're trying to be polite. Matter of fact, but, in Ethiopia, you got to go in the bathroom. Oh, really? Fart. Yes, officially. What, officially? It's bad manners oh. to fart oh, uh, okay. in public. You have to go in the bathroom. Actually, that was the first time that I saw that old men do that was I was actually in a bathroom Did at a stall. Did he say old men? He said, I think. And he looked at me? Damien, yeah. <laughs> They're 81 years old. There may be Young. snow on this roof. But there's still fire in this oven, just, yeah, motherfucker. Let's, let's stop at the oven. Let's not keep going on this. Yeah, on okay. this uh, yeah, no, there was a guy. Like, so he's at the urinal, and and I was I was pretty little, and you know he was just letting loose. He was just peeing on one and just <laughs> farting out the other, and I was like, what's going on? I mean, at the end, but it all makes sense. So of course he's doing it in there, but he also had that I don't give a shit look on his face. But like, what well, do I care? But no that shows a lack here. of any regard for pollution because that's methane. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Now, 
wait a minute, the main people who are violating this thing are cows. Did you know that? Well, yeah, cows farts So know bad. what you should do to be patriotic. Oh. You'd have some of those stoppers in your trunk. When you're going down the highway and you see a cow, go put a stopper in his ass. Oh, and yes, and now, now it's true. The the cow may start bloating up. Yeah, I was gonna say and start floating. Eventually, eventually explode. No, I think eventually like burst. In the air, it's gonna burst. Well, if it, it floats, so maybe maybe we always thought those cows were being stolen by aliens. Going. Is it funny? It's not going. going. It's, a, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's no, I think you just answered what we, I remember. They used to say that cows were getting stolen by aliens and floating into the sky. Maybe yes. it's because they had butt plugs in. Hey, wait, Merritt Morris we're, solves we're, another crime. Thank you, Merritt Another mystery. Thank this week on Unsolved Mysteries. This week, <laughs> Garrett's not no longer mysteries. Wait, what kind of name is that, Garrett? Well, this is actually this is kind of um, uh, this is topical, but the news of Bill Cosby being convicted of whoa, man, look, like I told my man uh, Brian, I feel that some of the greatest art artistry I've seen comedically come from Bill Cosby, and I feel that like he certainly changed the course of television history. With the Cosby Show, I have been an art fan on the artistic side, but when it comes to fifty women, all saying pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Even if I eliminate thirty, okay, and say some are lying. Even if you some, eliminate forty-nine. Uh, forty-nine. <laughs> look, uh, not everybody's lying, and Bill is the only one telling the truth. But I brought up the most important point, which is. What's with all the people with bad hair now in power <laughs> positions? His, he, did you see his attorney? Oh, well, he's got the he, crazy blonde hair like the dude all, over in Europe. He fell asleep. Like Trump. And, right. What do you mean he fell? Who fell asleep? <laughs> the attorney <coughs> fell asleep in the, in, during the trial. He went today? No, the other day in te during testimony. Are you being serious? He fell yeah, asleep? Yeah, he fell asleep in court. How do you fall asleep in court? Like this. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, like, okay, thank you. Thanks. That, that, just so the listeners, <laughs> no, that was Garrett closing his eyes. You may laugh at him about his hair, but he's getting like $100,000 for each strain. Which is crazy. Like, why can't he fix his hair then if he's got so much money? Go get it. I think that's a power move. I think these guys with, have the, with the hair, hair that's all like crazy. The guy, like the owner, the owner for the Raiders. Remember that guy's yeah. hair? Yes. Yeah, the guy that, well, you mean the, the son that took over for. Uh, Both of them. The, the, the dad. And then the sun. The sun looks like. I mean, he looks like uh, the guy. The guy from uh, Pee Wee's A Big Adventure. Well, the, the other grown-up boy. May I throw a negative in here? Yeah. Colin Kaepernick. He's got a lot of hair. He ain't does doing now, him no yeah. good. No, <laughs> he ain't working. Me. His hair. His well, I think there's another good. reason why it didn't work for him. Would you agree? Because he knelt. <laughs> yeah, among, but other, and, among other and things. As much as yes. I, as much as I don't want to see a black man kneeling. You got to yeah. respect what Colin Kaepernick respect. did. I mean, yes, Jesus, yes. if I was going to ever wear an NFL jersey again, it would be a Kaepernick jersey. Really? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard John Huck. What the fuck? Well, yeah, I don't really care for the NFL, and if I were to actually support a, a person who was, if, if a team were to hire Kaepernick, I would probably root for that team. And I think the problem they had would have been solved had one of those teams been brave enough to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The fact that if you follow the NFL at all, Jake Cutler is still throwing a football in the NFL. Jay Cutler has got to be one of the worst quarterbacks ever. Bad attitude, shitty personality, uh, not a good teammate. Like, there's a lot of things you could say about Jay Cutler that are negative. And, and, then, Devin, and he's still throwing a football around. Colin Kaepernick actually went to a Super Bowl recently, and they're like, nah. Well, I, I think it's the problem with the narrative is that the narrative changed. And I think the NFL made a mistake very early on. What they should have just done is said, 
why are you doing this? How can we get behind it and, yeah. and, and make this yep. a good narrative? Instead, what they let them do was let racists and, uh, and the, people the, change the narrative, it, yeah. and it, it got out of control. Let me add to that fun. now. If he, Donald Trump, hadn't picked up on it again, because it was cooling down. Yeah, he brought it back. And he right? brought it back. Well, Because he wanted to, to manipulate theory. that 30%. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, it's but obvious. It, but it, it's a false narrative, though. That's Excuse the problem me. was it was a false narrative. That sounds like something from Moot Coat. Moot, Moot Coat. <laughs> false narrative, would you please? He changed the storyline. Yes. It was never about the military. They've repeatedly said it's about the military and the American flag. And they said, yes. no, it is. No, it is. It's ex- I'm going to tell you what you, do, what, you, what you think. Right. It's the whole, I'm going to tell you what you're thinking right. and what, what you stand for yeah. is where it's wrong. And right. that's where the whole thing spiraled out of control. Yes, yes. So, and look, he understood when he did it, there was a chance he was never going to get back in the NFL yeah, again. And quite frankly... You know, the guy just... I Didn't he just get an award from Amnesty International? Didn't yes, they just he did. recognize he's him? Getting, he's getting all kinds of awards from... So, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, he, he's... I think he's, he's, he's taken on a higher... I think so, too. I Perfect. Think so too. But he's also exposing an open and obvious wound within not only America, but with... I'm sorry, not only in the NFL... Uh, with with rich owners, but also within America, he's exposing the same thing, which we already kind of know, which yeah. is that there there are people that dance around the race issue by pulling up different things to say instead of just going straight at what they actually, what we all know, what they're actually thinking. Hey, look for me uh, when I look at the NFL has a lot of black millionaires, but they are black, the majority mm-hmm. of them, and for me, there's a way in which. I'm not saying I have anything about people being on the right or left, mm-hmm. but for for what the president did for me is shine a light on it for those people who really wanted to do that racist thing. Yeah, he's saying it's all right. Yep, and like you said, it wasn't about the army. It wasn't about anything that. No. But now he's made Kaepernick. Like almost like unpatriotic. Yeah, which yeah. The, and that's what bothers. And anybody else that uh, aligns with him would also be, yeah, be yeah. unpatriotic. I joked about this with John. I don't think I joked about it on the last on the, on the podcast. But I went to, uh, <laughs> I took the kids to uh, spring training in Arizona, and Arizona is a, known as a fairly red state, right? Spring of uh, football, uh, uh, baseball. Okay. And, and and while we were there, you know, a base, all sporting events start with you know the national anthem. the national anthem. And I watched all these people try to out-Americanize, be more American than the other person by singing louder, singing in people's faces, and, and being more patriotic. Like there's, like, there's some level, like, you can be more patriotic than the other guy. It's like, that's not what this is about. This is not a competition. But also, you know what? Know that be more way. patriotic. Sing that but you know what? Know that way. I mean, I don't know when it started, but that singing the American... Yeah, the national wasn't the when baseball and all this first started. So I don't know what the year was, right? But it started somewhere back there, and I think around by the time when they also changed um, um, under God. Did you know that when I was a kid, I said one nation with liberty and justice for all. Oh, they added it. Yes, in 1954, oh. Congress passed a law saying it has to be one nation under God. Really? Interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. Check it out. 54? Yeah, 1954. Oh, if you would have said like 1873, you'd have been like, well, okay, I guess. But yeah. like, no. Well, and, and you know, I have an interesting perspective on this, and which actually will tie into where, where you uh, grew up, which is I remember watching, I'm a huge sports fan, so I watch a lot of uh, sports documentaries, a lot of, lot of sports related stuff, less, less regular television, more sports related stuff. 
And I watched this great documentary about the AFL called um, uh, Full Color TV or something like that. I can't remember what the... But anyway, in there, it talked about the the AFL championship one year was in New Orleans. And when the teams got down there, the black players were not allowed to go into any of the places that all the white players were, so they boycotted. Do you know what I'm talking Are you familiar with this I, by no, chance? I don't, I don't, they, they, yeah. they basically boycotted. They were like, well, we're not playing the championship game. This is ridiculous. We came down. You invited us right. down here, and now you are segregating us within right. the, you know what I mean? It's like, it just, yeah. and, I, and I, well, I watched that, and I was just, I didn't know. And I was like, I felt, I, that, to me, that, I was I was so proud of those guys to put themselves on Me the too. line like Me that, too. especially at a time like that. Yeah, they're like, you know what? We're not yeah. doing this, and yeah. all the players got together. All of them got together and well, said, they, "Fine, then until you fix this, we're not we're not if, gonna we're not gonna do it. We're yeah. not playing." If yeah. I wish all the players would have united behind Kaepernick, would have made it way I easier. I wish they would have all knelt. I yeah. wish every single player was like, you know what? There is a problem in this country. It needs to be addressed. Everyone, take a look. And if you don't think there is, it's because you. Like you live in a very sheltered. Like I have a, a an eighty-three year old neighbor back from where I'm from. Oh, really? Um, you guys have extreme opposite views about like just the idea that like Kaepernick calling awareness. Like he when I went back, he was like, "I'm not watching the NFL anymore." I go, "Yeah, me neither," but for totally different for reasons. Really, than right, you. Right, right. And he was like, "Yeah, you tell me these millionaires." When I go, "You're missing the point." You're right. mi- like. Some people are just not going to get it. In my head, though, the people that need to get it are the younger people, and like, the and I hope that they up, are. And I think they are, man. I think when you look at like, like man, I used to be one of those guys, like, oh, kids are dumb as shit. Fuck kids. Who needs kids are annoying. <laughs> Who needs oh, kids? Man. But the kids. I need I'm my kids. Today, that actually helps with my taxes. The uh, group from uh, Parkland. Florida. Oh my god. The, when I look at those kids, I'm like, holy shit. You, you know what I like about that? The Parkland kids who were rich. Did not just get up there and complain about what happened to them. They had got people from Chicago, people all over, yeah. dealing with the they phenomenon united. Itself. They started uniting right. people. They and did you are see that eleven year old girl? Uh, the one who who uh, went went out with it. She was the only one. Yeah, she said like um, people say that we're being used. She was eleven years old. She was talking like at least an eighteen or nineteen year old. Yeah. Kids are a lot smarter. Yeah. I think that they, if if they're given the right access to information, they actually gravitate towards it. It's just a matter of like you know what information are you seeking. But you can educate a child at that age. I have I actually I have a ten uh, year old and I have a twelve year old, and I. I, I know they're smarter than I probably give them credit for because sometimes they say oh, things to me. Oh, you were at that age. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All I just, had was Encyclopedia yeah. Britannica, and I never opened it up, dude. <laughs> oh, those six. I never opened those it up. Those six were just good for hitting each other with. Like, <laughs> did you comic have books. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? You were a comic book guy? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love comic books. Really? really? Oh, Captain Marvel, Superman. Interesting. Black Panther. Um, were you a collector, you, or did you just I mean, read them and get I, rid of them? Like, huh? What was your thing with comic books? I collected them. You did? I collected them, you know. Wait. There's a bad uh, story hooked up to that, but I won't is, tell can it. I, can I assist? <laughs> uh, obviously, There's bad stories hooked up to comic if books? You li- if you're listening, you, you don't somehow don't know who Garrett Morris is. He was a, an original cast oh member my God. on the first season of SNL where you played... Hold on. Big... Is, will this be heard in Louisiana? No. Okay, good. Go <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I, uh, but, like, I think... Uh, you, if you're, I'm not mistaken, you portrayed Ant Man in a sketch on That's SNL. That's right. Are you? That did you bring that, that to the small. table? Huh? No, I was gonna say, did you bring that to the table because you're a, you're a comic book guy? Were you like, oh, no one oh. ever talks about Ant Man. Let's, let's oh. make fun of Ant Man. N- no, that was done uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, when you did you have anything to do with I that? I was not gonna claim that. I think it was. Um, <laughs> 
damn, who was it? He's a writer now, and I, forget, I ought to be ashamed of myself. Well, I mean, he's written for Broadway. He's been like uh, the doctor on Broadway. Oh God, I'll get his name. But a, but no, I, that yeah. was me. You know? Okay, wow. But that being said, I'm assuming because you're a comic book person, anytime you could play a comic book character, you'd be oh, like, yeah. I'm in. I'm well, done. You're you, don't also, to, oh, yeah. you don't have to question me. You're also in the movie Ant Man. Yeah, because, yes. because of that sketch. But I, I had think. a. I Wait, had is it because a, of the sketch? I I had a Superman. A super uh, guy that I tried to create, and okay, I'm gonna tell you what his name was. <laughs> you tried to create a superhero. This is back when you were growing up reading comic books. Yes. Okay. His name was. Are you ready? Yep. Yeah. Colored man. Okay. Um, mildly <laughs> offensive. Um, <laughs> big C. Big, big C. C. Okay. Oh, this chest. And what was his? What were his? Did he change colors? I hope like, he changed <laughs> colors. Please tell me he wasn't just a black guy. How far did you get in this character development? I'm telling you, call colored man, call <laughs> colored man. Don't cross the street alone. Don't be no fool. Call colored man, call colored man. Watch it fly. Dodging pigeons up in the clear blue sky. Watch it fly. And you can understand why it never got off. What well, I don't understand why it never got off the air. That's off the ground. That's perfect. Well, well except for the dodging shit. pigeon shit part. I, dodging I, I, pigeon shit. I guess you go with what you know, right? You're like, yeah. all right. Well, what you know. were his? I mean, dodging pigeon shit was not his only power, was it? Like, what else could he? <laughs> what unless the pigeons were bad guys? Is that enough? Were I the mean, pigeons bad pretty, guys? If you can't dodge it, that's like I can see that being a sort of a kryptonite. Everywhere <laughs> this guy goes, he gets shit on by pigeons. Like, Always uh, on the shoulder. Ah, uh, son of a. And he would get caught sometimes by the police to have to show his identification. Anyway. <laughs> the only profile superhero. Is there anything? Is there any draw? Is there any draw drops of this character? Say it again. Are there any drawings? Of did this you create? Character? Yeah, did you draw them up or anything like that, or you just you just kind of? Wait, back them? in New York City, uh, I know you guys are speaking sardonically. I understand that, you know. I understand that you're verbally abusing me. No. no. I'm actually genuinely fascinated. I I love superheroes, but I was not a comic book person. Really? Yeah, yeah. so it's I and so I'm, I'm I I think and this is going to sound I think I've already admitted this before, but it came through um the Super Friends, which was on Saturday Morning Cartoon, and The Incredible Hulk, and The Greatest American Hero. That's how I was introduced. And Batman, to, 1966, The Adam yeah, West was one too. of them. Yeah, me too, Batman. But it's so different than being a comic book the, fan, though. What do you think about the wall between Batman and Superman? Batman's going to lose, right? It's, well, it's, they it's, made a movie. But why, that, why, but why that, did they make but, a movie? But the way so they did stupid. it, I didn't think it was I, that I stupid. Feel, it felt forced to me. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought, And the method in which Batman was going to try to defeat Superman was a legit method. He was going to try to use kryptonite. Like it was, if you're going to kill Superman, you got to use kryptonite. So that they at least weren't doing it any other way. Okay, well, how then, would he acquire the kryptonite? Well, I he, didn't see the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was. He did. Well, he I'm was not going to just go through the whole plot. <laughs> but like, yeah, tonight no. on spoilers. Yeah, he they because the crashed ship from the Superman movie. He went and found he it. He went yeah. and got it. He went yeah. to his play. He went to his um, l- lair. I believe is that what he did? No, man. That ship that there was a ship that from the man the movie Man of Steel. There was a ship oh. that was still in Metropolis being uh, oh right right studied. Right. So he That's see now this in. guy is aware of America's culture. Well, you. but I didn't really watch. I didn't really read comic I'm, books. I'm, I'm pop culture in a different format. See, I've always so so. Would you? And the reason why I ask you that is 
were the comic books like what gravitated you towards superhero comic books? Like what was well, it about it that you just kid, all of a sudden just, wanted to? I think as a kid, I just like dealing with superheroes and super the fantasy and aspect the fantasy of, it. of it. Yeah, and I guess now I can admit uh, I'm a school teacher too. You know, I taught at PS seventy one, uh, but I also taught um, um, rehab, right? Okay, with uh, kids who are smaller. And I sometimes use comic books as an interest into reading other stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that was not, that was definitely not a method most teachers would use. And if I said that, they'd still say it was wrong. Okay. But uh, reading a kid to read though, right, reading is reading. In any way, and and, and right. the only way you can get someone interested in anything is if they have interest. In, yeah, interest. And quite often, the subjects of the thing was uh, superficial. But you could then talk about that subject and get them to read something uh, li- related to something. that. Yeah, yeah. Right. And actually, some of those earlier comic books, though, I mean, some of those comic books are like pretty racist and pretty sexist. Sure. And it's like, sure. you know, this is my butler. He's a black guy. This right. is my bimbo secretary. <laughs> She's a blonde with huge tits. It's like you're like everything. And was the like, wartime man, you were hating. Oh man. Germans, oh yeah, Japanese people. Japanese. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, I mean Bugs Bunny, even like Woody Woodpecker, even like yes. Like cartoon cartoons, not just comic books. I mean, like. shit like that, in my opinion, I don't know if it did, but a Japanese internment during that time, uh, in my opinion, had a lift from a whole lot of stuff that was oh, yeah. fantasy, you know. You're draw- you're, you're, when you push fear, yeah. when you can make people afraid in any way. Then like I've been hearing that they've been having stuff about uh, white guys with long beards. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they have been. Yeah. Ever since Jesus. Yes. Yes. So they've had a problem Uh, with white guys. I thought maybe it was Santa, but (laughs) no, No, Jesus is Santa, both born on December twenty fifth. Oh, oh. Because by the way, I know your joke and it's true. About you could be arrested for hugging the kid. Wait, what joke? He's referring to your borderline pedophilia joke. Oh yeah, hugs not drugs. Yeah, Yeah, like I exactly. But even Bill Burry did a thing where he was like I used to love kids, play, shoot fake guns at them. Like, hey, right. all right, kids. And now a kid runs up, t- hugs your leg. It's like, get get away get from away. me. Right, get, right. I can't, you know, it's weird. Like, I even have a joke now. I, I say I sweat all the time, not just when I'm driving my friend's kids to soccer practice and an Amber Alert goes off describing my exact car. Like, because if I ever had to, like, take your kids anywhere and, like, I drove by an Amber Alert and was like, gray Toyota Corolla, I'd be like, uh, we're going to drop you guys off here. Like, <laughs> Now you know. Now you know. It's know, like yeah. me profiled, right? I, I every every time one of these idiot white males goes and starts shooting everybody up or doing something Dude. crazy or blowing oh people God. up, I always project, and I and I kind of feel like because I'm a very generic looking Midwestern white male that looks like I may or may not have a problem in life that yep. could that could harm someone. <laughs> yep. He's and wearing so, camouflage pants, ladies and gentlemen. So I, every time there. that happens, I'm always like. Glasses. But I feel like every time that happens, there's a short period of time that when I go into certain places, people are probably like, "Is that dude gonna?" <laughs> Is that dude going to lose As his mind? He looks should. like a white dude. And I, but again, it's nowhere near the kind of stuff that you probably faced in your life. But like, I project that onto me. No, I, I will I'm, tell you guys. I'm also. guessing that 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 what you're feeling is does not compare. No, to I. And I just wanted to clarify of. that. But I will also <laughs> to take it one step further. How psychotic I got about the bombing one down uh, in uh, Texas. Somebody, the, the, I, I told you the house across the street yeah. would, uh, is empty. Yeah. And somebody, uh, they delivered a package there. And there hasn't been somebody living there for a couple years. And this happened right after the bombing. So I was like, do I got to go over there and pick up this package? 
No. And I'm like, well, no. No, I know, but I'm being paranoid. So what I did was I stood back five feet and threw rocks at it. And when <laughs> it did blow up, I was like, all right, I can give it to the person it was supposed to go to. Yeah. That's how freaked out I was. I have a solution, which you probably have thought of too, and you too, up to this gun carrying problem. All right. Where the progressive have wanted laws against open gun carry. Right. John, what do you think would happen? If the majority of black men and Latinos all over the country suddenly said, we will take advantage of the open gun carrying law. And blacks and Latinos all over the country in every city will walk around with guns legally. I mean, you know, that's a good question. I don't know that I can really say what would happen. In 15 minutes, Congress would pass a law. That's what the fuck would happen. I definitely think it would change the debate drastically. There is no doubt. If you look at American history, we can joke about it, and you may be afraid to say 100% that that that's what happens. However, somewhere in there lies the truth. Things would change drastically and very quickly. You know about California, right? And the mm-hmm. Black Panthers. No, I mean, I know. There was, open, were, they, there yeah. was a law for open guns in California until the, the Black, Black Panthers, Panthers said we're carrying. Within three months, the California legislature said, no, you ain't, nigga. Yeah. I mean, and me, actually, it's fine. Uh, you could say it. We're okay, not going to say it. And that's, and that's really, I mean, that is a good point because you see, like, when you see, like, these, <laughs> these, these lunatics that are like, yeah, I want to take my AR-15 to Walmart. And you're like, you're like, what? Why? Is that's not necessary, but you're right. Like, I think to me that is psychotic. So when they do that, and then you're like, oh, okay, you want to do that? If everyone can have a gun legally, open care. Well, then here's a, here's a, all these people doing it now too, and it's like, oh, uh, I don't like it because deep down, he's a racist. <laughs> well, they, well, they, I mean, it's it, we always they always joke about it. Like uh, a good guy will always stop a bad guy with a gun, and then in these open carry states, they're like, all right, we're gonna have a convention, a gun convention. They're like, but no one's allowed to bring their guns, and they're like, well, why not? I thought, right, I thought this is all good. Well, yeah, but it's just no, and it's like, well, it doesn't. It, and the funny thing is, sometimes you have to look at things on face value. Like it's right in front of us. We know what the truth is, and we're all ignoring it. You're, we're literally dancing around the truth in this world, which, by the way, is great for satire, probably great for Stephen Colbert and comedians across yeah. the world. This, this, this ignorance that we have is great for comedy, right? But see, it's bad for people. See, I don't mind if that... I bet you and I both... There's a teacher or two who has a gun right now. I don't mind somebody... In the classroom? A, yeah. There's a, not hey, well, he, not there's here, a probably, but in probably other... Yeah. right now has a gun nobody knows about, okay? But that wouldn't be the answer to somebody trying to... Uh, first place, if you're a hunter and you know, need a gun that shoots a hundred bullets in like ten seconds to kill a deer, you're a shitty hunter. hunter. <laughs> yeah, also, where's hunter. what are you going to get out of the meat? You're lead poisoning. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, damn. What happened? I lost you there for a sec. Oh, okay. It was a great speech. It was just away from the microphone. I still heard you. I was just teasing you. Stop hunting if you need, because you're gonna. I mean. Hey, deer meat already tasted gamey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was. Yeah, I came from Wisconsin where hunting was a big deal. You ever did deer meat? I did. Yeah, it wasn't my thing. I Me like. Either. I like. I like venison. I like it. It's good. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't. You know, yeah. I, I, I tried the frog leg thing. Wasn't my thing. Oh, you like? Do you like it? Or I'm no? from New Orleans. No frog legs. No uh, alligator. No snake tails. Okay, okay so what does Ooh, alligator snake taste like? Snake tail. Whoa. It doesn't taste like chicken. <laughs> Okay, 
Is it? I, I, uh, uh, you got a napkin or something? Yeah. I need. Yeah. Yeah, got you on Thanks. sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was bland taste to me. It was a bland taste. So it really wasn't much of anything. No. And the same thing with snake. Oh uh, yeah, same thing. So it's like the way I look at it, it's like I get if when you when you narr- when you're down to um, alligator, snake, and frog <laughs> legs, that means you just don't care. You just want some protein at that point because you're not <laughs> yeah. you're not in it for just the taste. Wait a minute, sir. There are people who have different cultural uh, traditions, which may not mean. The anything else, but they think they're eating the, the heart and soul of what they want to eat that oh, day. Okay, so that, that's delicacy. In Vietnam, yeah. they're eating dogs all the uh, time. Fair enough. Yeah. Right? But um, there are places in, in New Orleans where that's where you go to eat alligator. Just not you. Yeah, not me. No. You tapped out quick? I tapped out. I can cook great gumbo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm gumbo, a good gumbo guy. Gumbo. Uh, Do you like cooking? Actually, I like cooking gumbo. I like cooking red beans and rice. Uh, but in New Orleans, if you don't, a man who doesn't know how to cook, it's a very rare thing. So I'm very rare. <laughs> okay. Uh, my uncles knew as much about cooking as my aunts. And and so why is that? That's an interesting cultural thing because where I come from, again, which would be Wisconsin, yeah. it was the exact opposite, a which man most do. a grill. That's about it. Yeah. Cooking. Didn't really get in the kitchen. A lot of people I, I know now love cooking because it, it, it frees the mind up and it gives them, it's like a creative process for them. Brian, you would be like, Situation by guys are playing cards, big, burly, well-built card guys. And you had arguments start, right? You think it's because of the sports thing on the TV. You lean in, they're arguing about whose gumbo recipe is better. <laughs> <laughs> whose shrimp etouffee is a better recipe. I love it. And they'll know if somebody stole that shit. That's funny. Oh, if they're you using know, the, each, each other's recipes. Like, eat and say, oh, my something God. something different yeah, about each one. No, no. This is not what you did last week. Yeah, it's like no. snowflakes. No, yeah, right, gumbo right. recipes are the same. Oh, oh. That, I mean, that's fighting material there. Wow. Loving to cook. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm not, so being a man who not, who's not, doesn't know his way around a kitchen that well is rare in New York. And Orleans. he moves to it's New York. Rare. It's rare. It's rare. Not that it doesn't also, happen, but, but it's rare. But I also bet it's rare for people from New Orleans to attend Juilliard. Is that pretty rare? No? <laughs> Actually, I did not matriculate. I studied for like 10 years with one of Juilliard's uh, voice coaches ah. when I was singing German leader, French art song, Italian art song, and that kind of stuff. Because um, if you're singing, particularly if you're singing like that, you got to realize that the voice, vocal cord is a muscle. It must be maintained on steady basis. So, uh, yeah, I had, a co- I had two coaches. I had... Uh, Bernard U. Taylor, whose book uh, I studied at Dilley University, right, uh, in the undergrad, right? So when I got to New York City, I looked for the guy whose book I studied, <laughs> and he at that time uh, was at Judy, on one of Juilliard's uh, faculty. That's awesome. And that's, yeah. uh, that's like, I like, I like that, like, no, this is the book I read. I'm just going to go find this guy. Yeah, right, and right. And study with him, because this right. is what I think. You could never right. do that now. I don't think, no, you can't. Right? Yeah, you can't. They'd you be can like, what are you on, doing here? Right. But yeah, you could find him online, and then they'd put out, like, a restraining order against you. <laughs> By the Before time you, you showed up <laughs> at the office. You'd have a digital restraining right. order. You wouldn't even physically get anywhere <laughs> right, near right. them. How? But yeah, you what? sang. You still sing. I mean, you, that's yeah. still Now like, I'm singing the blues all the time. I'm not that bel canto shit. No pear-shaped tones, okay? But but still, I mean, you're still you're still belting still out Still belting too. it out. I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, I, I like where I am now vocally. Yeah. Because uh, a couple of notes have come down from my height. I used to have a high B flat. Now I'm having a high G, you know. All right. Um, a flat, maybe. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I was born and raised in New Orleans, right? Where the first thing I heard was the blues and gospel. Did you just, was it was singing just kind of a natural part of your life? As a matter of fact, as a kid, on. I was like one of those Vienna boys. Quiet oh, okay. That was, I had like a high tenor voice. Okay. So I was actually uh, in my grandfather who raised me, Baptist minister. Um, he had a quartet, right? Uh, and we weren't called a pilgrim traveler. It's called something else. But uh, I was a high tenor for for in the group, and we used to go around Louisiana. How old? At this uh, time? Damn. Like six, like young? Oh, six, six years old? Seven, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. By the time I was seven, I was in the junior choir. And by the time I was eight, I was in the senior choir. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm assuming you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, I loved it. You didn't it. feel like you had to because it was family, but you, were actually, you actually enjoyed it on yeah, top of I it I loved all. it. I loved my grandfather, uh, what he did, because my grandfather, uh, you've heard me do this on stage. My grandfather, uh, I consider him to be the reason why I am where now, despite the fact later on in life, I found a lot of things that really disappointed me. But uh, I mean, he used to write during the week his sermon, right? On the weekend, Sunday, he would preach. That's writing and acting. During the week, twice a week, the junior and quiet choir, the junior and senior choir, he would conduct it. And he had a high tenor voice himself, so he would sing. So now what am I? I'm a writer, actor, singer, composer, right? So... Um, Later on, I found that my grandfather, you've heard me say this, um, you know, he he was, uh, how can I say, uh, you know how uh, the priests sprinkle holy water? Well, he sprinkled semen all over uh-huh. Morgan City, New Orleans and stuff, so... Uh, by the time I was in my teens, I began to realize that if I wanted to date somebody, I better go a couple of cities over. Because you didn't want to date be, the same woman might as be your a, grandfather. Might he got the organist pregnant uh, and while he was still married to my grandmother. Um, and, um, you know, so that disappointed me a lot. But, um, you know, he's a, he was a human being. I don't, I don't judge him. I just say that's what happened. Um, but um, most of what I'm doing now, I... See, evolved out of him. Interesting. But the only example of what I would call unconditional love came from his wife, my grandmother, who was really, really, uh, I'm so lucky I had her in the first 12 years of my life. She died when I was 10. Were, uh, they, were they older grandparents or were they? Yeah, they were older. My mother had me when she was 16. 16, okay. So they took over raising me. Right. Did you live in the same house as your mother, though? It's just that your grandparents? No, no, no. My no. grandparents, uh, she could have, but she... Uh, what happened, my grandfather was in the, uh, New Orleans as an assistant pastor. Okay. He got a job in Biloxi, Mississippi. So he took me with oh, uh, okay. to Biloxi. In a year, he got a raise. Guess what, John? The raise was $125 a month, plus whatever food we wound up on the back porch, right? So he left uh, the church in uh, Mississippi where he'd get like 100 a month and moved to, for this big raise in Morgan City. Uh, and so from the time I was three and a half to the time I was like 12 or 13, I was under his influence. Okay. Um, and apparently when I was a kid at three and a half, I was reading the Bible. Now, Brian, if I was reading the Bible at three and a half, 
I had no idea what the fuck I was reading. <laughs> just a lot of you, words. You weren't comprehending it. Right. And I'm you just like the really thin pages. <laughs> right. And if that was to make me into a better Christian, boy, did that fail. <laughs> <laughs> there were not uh, enough pictures in there, or what was it? <laughs> no. I mean, uh, well, you know, and you've done a racial thing. All of the Bible was Romanized or Greekized. So, right. Yeah, except for the bad guy, the centurion, there was nobody black. And my grandfather was very progressive at the age of six or seven. He was saying to me, Jesus was not white. I swear. You know, and most of the ministers... That's progressive were, and also kind of scientific. I was just going to say, it, like, it, it's, isn't it yeah, like, it's kind of... Isn't kinda... that just like, who, how could you be that white wandering around a desert like that? Like, Megyn Kelly said it on TV. But Megyn, I mean... Okay, all right. Any, any, anybody, anybody else? Any, any, anybody with any reputable <laughs> no, scientific no, knowledge? No, no, biology no. understanding no. of skin pigmentation and evolution and how no. he would need to not be pale as no. shit. Well, he's going to be in the sun all the time. Yeah. So, the, so the term progressive is your dad was a realist and actually, or your grandfather was a realist. Well, Nick, what else he did? Hmm. Do you know what they used to think of uh, blues back then? The devil's music, right? Yeah. Was the devil's music or was like voodoo music? No, devil. It was evil. Well, the devil's music. Because Robert Johnson sold his soul. That's how he got good. My grandfather had his five year old listen to Ray Charles and B.B. King and Charles Brown. So he stepped outside that hey. whole thing. Yeah. Hey. Because you know why? Because music, that music is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you really can't, like, how like the fact that it was demonized is it, it's amazing. It's offensive and laughable and yeah. sad all at the yeah. same time. It like, always boils down to, for for me. I think it always boils down to you fear what you don't understand. Yeah, and right. I and, and I, I and, it, but that music you because there didn't no one had ever heard anything like that when right, they started right. hearing it. They were but like, what? You, like I'm at a, I mean I've I've I love music my whole entire life, and I, and I think one of the things that I've realized is that because I don't have it in me, right? But. You got the music in you. Well, thank you. Well, let's keep going. One, two. <laughs> and as soon as you start singing, you're yeah, like, right, you know right. what? Maybe you're right. It turns Maybe out. Not everybody has it. <laughs> turns out. But I'm always fascinated by what the human condition creates. Like the, the, the music that, 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 and that's a thing. That's what fascinates me. Yeah, right. Is that's coming from here. From here, yeah, right. That's a thing that yeah, just no comes one's like, oh, I can write about being uh, depressed in, in the South because I it, it, it'll sell. Right. Like they right. write it because it needs to get out yeah. right. of them and yeah. have a memorable tune. Yeah, yeah. To be able to have that flow yeah. through you, yeah. that desire to, yeah. and or not even a desire. It's like probably for you, it's like it wasn't even a desire. It just was there. That was this song Rachel sang. That probably nobody would want to hear because it's the words would make sound. It was called "Drown in My Own Tears." I remember being so transfixed by how he sang that song, right? And although it was about Obviously, I felt like uplifted just by the combination of sound he put together to say that, right? So really more a guy who was just so deeply in love. Yeah. And this bitch is what, you know, this is what you got me, you know. So uh, I remember that uh, Charles Brown, you know who Charles Brown was? Mm -hmm. Charles Brown was, I was before, before um, Ray Charles. Um, he's the guy who sang Merry Christmas, baby. Oh, okay. You sure been good to me. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Brought your diamond ring, diamond ring, big Cadillac car, and everything. Right. On uh, him, BB King then was a tenor. Really? Oh yeah. 
he would he would sing a way up there. I mean, the thrill is gone. Yeah, yeah. The thrill is gone. No, by that time he was no longer yeah, telling. No, he was doing it. I just picked the. Yeah, yeah, but he was he was really um, and um, called Big Mama Thornton. Um, I um, um, the day she was oh she just got an award in the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Aretha Franklin. No, Rosetta, 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 Rosetta. I wish we had the internet. Oh, Rosetta, Rosetta. I never, I remember the last name. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, Mahilde Jackson. Uh, but then I started hearing Tina Turner, uh, Big Mama Thornton. Um, all of these motherfuckers were just knocking me out. Yeah. And if you think about it, during the time from you, you were a child, probably through a lot of us are influenced through our teens and our early 20s musically look the the change of what was going on from what you first started with yeah. to where it was going was yeah. incredible during that it time is, is, that yeah. era unbelievable music was being made look man our music american music cuz i'm not saying it's black music yeah it comes from black but they're americans mm-hmm. right yeah. it's their Everybody, it's their experience as americans every nation now is playing american music oh, yeah. for its entertainment during the fucking day yep you go to italy you go to Sweden, there's some great jazz musicians who don't even know where the music came from. <laughs> yeah. The Germans now yeah. playing jazz, they have no idea. <laughs> Our music, shit. <laughs> it started off being called garbage, right? Yeah. That people predicted it would last for like maybe 10 years. Tell that to Louis Armstrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know? And look, for me, another thing about it, is it's multi-dimensional thing because yes, blacks started and all that other shit, but from the very beginning you had um, uh, white guys or you had um, um, Paul Gonzalez, um, oh, help me, um, Portuguese guy. You had everybody playing it, right? Except for the first group who got to be the original Dixieland jazz band. Here's they how they got it. Freddie Kepper at that time was bigger than Louis Armstrong in New Orleans. So when the Lou Maxes went down to do Was that, he a trumpet player, or was he... See, I've got, I've got to remember, I'm not okay. sure. But you're more like a band leader, kind of like the band, right? Yeah. There's the band, and there's the band leader, yeah. So the Lou Maxes, realizing the music was going was revolutionary, went down recording everybody, right? Including, they want to do a black guy. They Hey, you guys started it. Give me your... I want you to be the first one. Freddie Kepper said, hell no. If I do that, these white buds gonna steal my music. Freddie, all they gotta do is come to the club. See you. Write down what you're doing <laughs> and go. That's that's what the original Dixieland Jazz Band did. Really? Yeah. So they became the first band. But for me, our music, man, is just... I, I, I can't even tell you how I feel... It's some, it's certainly attached to, if not the soul, of what we do in America. Because people, are, you know, the way we relate to music is very, in my opinion, is very unique. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's all derivative. That, that's the one thing I, I, I never studied music, but I did on my own. Like basically, I, I always listened to artists that I liked, and and always, I was always curious like where they were influenced. And there's always this track back. And that's the thing is, that, is when you talk about you know when you talk about blues, basically blues, country, jazz, everything modern now, you can find a direct sure line sure to can. all of those things. And for many artists, they combine all of those. And talk about country and western, man. Uh, Lester Flack, uh, uh, Earl Scrub. You ever heard them play? Mm-hmm. I've heard of Earl. I've heard of Earl Scrub. Yeah. 
you ain't never heard a motherfucker play uh, the pick like this. And I, I, he's a white, bluegrass motherfucker, but this motherfucker could play. Bluegrass is a real technical, <laughs> it's a real, like, people think it's just hillbillies. Lester and, like, Flat and Earl Scruggs, in my opinion, are just as important as Les, Les, Les Paul. Oh, I, I'm like, is bluegrass playing right now? What's happening? By the way, uh, Natalie uh, knew I was a Steve Martin fan, and she bought tickets to when he was doing the bluegrass tour. Oh, yeah. And she, but she thought it was comedy. And so we get there, she's like, why do they all have banjos? Why is there... When is he? Does he sing the whole time? And I just started laughing. I was like, "Oh, you knew? I knew. Yeah, I had yeah. the. I had some of his Did you go to The Hollywood Bowl? Uh, no, uh, a Pantages. It was either Pantages oh. or um. Oh, we yeah. Nicole and I went like July second. Uh, it was great one year and saw you know, the Steep Mountain Ranger. Yeah, King yes, and, with Edie Brickell. Uh, no, she uh, was she on that one? I don't think so. It was, it was him and two other guys. Oh, cool. Yeah, but no, the point was, yeah, excuse me for having a phone call. Oh, no, oh. yeah, oh, you treat okay. yourself. You gonna listen to it? Are you trying I to listen to it? He's trying to he's, figure uh, out. He, you want me to pause? I'm gonna pause just, so people don't have to listen to your voicemail. He just put the microphone to his ear. I've and got, right, and we're back. Everything is everything is good. Nothing is burning. That was Halle Berry calling me. Oh, okay, again. Good. Uh, again, I keep, again. How I many keep times telling her to today? stop it. She's oh, a married Halle woman. Berry. You know, oh. <laughs> she got to think for older guys. What can I tell oh, you? Understood. Yes. Uh, ta- speaking of music, talking about music, while we're on the subject of music, uh, and I hate, <clears throat> I don't mean to keep going back to SNL, but. Uh, it, it started the year I was born, and uh, really seventy five. Yeah, it means that it, you it young, but you were born in seventy five. Yeah, and it, it's I was a, about two years away from AARP <laughs> when you were born. Fuck you. <laughs> well, it's good to know you. Um, <laughs> but you, you like the musical acts that came through there in just the oh five my years God. you were there. Oh. you must have seen and and back then, like talking about music making changing and and becoming. And and just growing oh. and, and being different and being yeah. experimental and yeah. like that time you know coming yeah. out of the '60s into the '70s there was like amazing music going on and plus we had a an amazing conductor uh, sure uh, um, Paul Schaefer Paul Schaefer yeah uh, um, yeah I mean you got Paul Simon I remember you know remember meeting him um, <laughs> the you know Keith uh, um, Richards. Richards. <laughs> I, Why did you? <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't need to say anything more. We're not with Keith Richards. We're not with Keith. <laughs> I love Keith. Okay. Both, Shut the fuck up. Both you, guys are bad bo- about Keith. both you guys are still here. That's Hello. all that matters. No right. one's talking bad about <laughs> Keith Richards, man. I just think that's hilarious. Oh, man. Uh, I met Cicely Tyson the first time when I was on the show. Uh, Candace Bergen. I also met my man um, Richard, but he. he he decided not to use me. Really? Yeah, he brought uh, his own troop. Because people had told him that I was Lauren Michael's nigger and that I wasn't, you know, whatever. And I had that time, when I got Saturday Night Live, I was discovered after 17 years in the business. Okay? Yeah, it, what, you weren't an overnight sensation. No, You've I been wasn't. working your ass out. I'd already written two plays on Off-Broadway. I'd already done about 30 shows on Off-Broadway with about five on Broadway. You're a legit been, actor. I was a teacher at PS71, so I was not Lauren Michaels' Nick. Right. You weren't I just some random fucking, discovery. Yeah. I yeah. paid my fucking dues. Um, but uh, Lauren uh, so, so read one of the plays that I did and put me on as a writer. And uh, later on, um, uh, I was discussing myself because in about four months, I hadn't come up with one idea that was good except one. And that idea 
was going to long story really co-opted by someone uh and i got really mad about that and was going to go in and uh let them know uh how i felt about it and when i went in that day uh ready to do some serious damage to this person who was a wrestling channel by the way again i knew he might hurt me but if i get it a couple of that then do your best right sure enough i go in and lauren is looking at a movie in the green room so somebody told him, go to the green room lauren wants you. He's looking at uh, Cooley High. You were played a teacher? Right, because yeah. John and Gilda and them had said, well, look, you got Garrett bringing in black actors to be a part of Saturday Night of the Not Ready for Brown Town. He's one, too. Lauren said, yeah, really? What's he done? They said, look at this movie. And so Lauren looked at the movie, and um, he said, Garrett, I want you to audition for the uh, Not Ready for Brown Town players. So um, I auditioned with Gilda, uh, who's great because... Uh, you know, Gilda's just, to me, matchless at improvisation. Uh, but she learned, like a lot of them did at Second City, well, Second City gave you a long range. Mm-hmm. Like if I say from one to a hundred, you get a one to a hundred of a comedic range working with the method they do. But I train improvisationally in the hood. <laughs> so <laughs> On I, your own? <laughs> so my range went from hate whitey to kill whitey. <laughs> that, that's about it. <laughs> so, so, so good thing I had Gilda, who was like she was proactive, right? Mm-hmm. And I was a counter puncher, and I was uh, my assignment was our assignment was she was a passionate. I'm a cab driver, taking from JFK into the city. So I cheated the hell out of her, and uh, they laughed at it, and I got the job. Um, but getting back to the music. No, but that's 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 fantastic. I yeah. didn't realize that you auditioned. First of all, I guess I didn't realize you were a writer, and then you auditioned. Yeah, yeah. you were a writer on SNL. Yeah, he for was, like about <laughs> six months or so, because the person who stole my shit got together with I'm gonna call her name Ann Beats and declared that I was not talented. On okay, who declared Nick, you were not talented? Ann Beats and somebody. Oh, uh, uh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Oh, uh, and um. Uh, but say, okay, you can put him on and not read for Ron Don players, but he gets no credit as a writer, even for the idea that he stole. And that's a kick in the ass because that year is the year we won the Emmy. So I didn't get an Emmy for that. But um, I'm not going to say who that person is because he's been going through some bad luck lately, so... Okay. I'm not going to... And we're not trying to... Yeah, no. Well, but but again, it goes to the... um, what you're really talking about, though, because I, I, I can't remember, what's the, I think I got the book over there. I, I, read, I read the book um, where they were interviewing everybody live from, from SNL. Yeah, live from New York. Yeah. And it, what I, one thing I got out of that, one thing I got out of that, though, very competitive. A lot of underhanded stuff by a lot of people because, I mean, and I, I, I don't want to blame youth, but it just seems like. I got to do it. Like a lot of people's attitude was like, I'm going to humiliate you if it puts me up. I'm going to steal from you if it puts me up. I'm going to, whatever it took. Right, but right. Then you, but then you would read about these other people, which I don't know. You had the personal experience. There were some other people that were very genuine. Um, uh, not, uh, I'm going to forget her name right now, but she was, I believe, married and had kids. Jane. Jane, Jane. Curtin. People yeah. speak very highly of her, that she was, that she was a pretty decent person. She was extraordinary, yeah. I um, was chased by this guy who wrote the book, from New Orleans, from New York to here. I didn't. I refused to be interviewed there. He followed me to L.A. 
And in the bathroom, he confronted me and said, okay, I'm going to write what I, what I want to write. So basically, I did a whole lot of shit that I feel was wrong. But a couple of stories there were just not true. But I feel that, you know, he responded to, okay, you won't be interviewed. Then you don't, you, if you refuse to basically defend yourself or speak uh, right, on, right. on behalf of yourself, right. he can't be responsible for what other people say right, about right, you. Right, right, and he's right. not going to uh, fact check it with right, you. Right, right. So, yeah, so you're saying there's some untruths in that book. Yeah, yeah and I, I believe, I deny that I was a coke fiend and doing a whole lot of stuff that I now regret. Right. Uh, and know. that probably played into a lot of, like, I mean, that kind of, back then, I don't think people realized the, uh, the paranoia and the uh, like, the negativity that drugs like that brought with it. Like, oh, yeah, people yeah. didn't understand that. Like, everyone was like, "Oh, it's just a party." But then, when you get past that party stage, it it changes who you are as a person. Oh my God! I mean, I remember getting up at three a.m. in the morning to look for my connection. You know? Yeah. And um, that's the one of my life now because you know what an eighth is, right? Mm-hmm. To do that in like a day. <laughs> an eighth of blow. Okay. Yeah. I, you guys lost me on well, that one. Is that a lot? Well, no, but I'm, I, I immediately thought of an <laughs> I'm eighth. Sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't but, know. It's Brian, not my thing. Brian, but, but like an, <laughs> an eighth of weed. Look, I know I, what a 12-pack of beer is. An, That's a lot. That's an a lot. Eighth, an eighth weighs what an eighth weighs, which is like three point some grams. So it, whether it's weed or whether it's Coke, if it's weed, you're like, oh, okay, an eighth. That'll last me a couple of days. If it's Coke, it should last you a, <laughs> a month, maybe. Like, but if you're going through an eighth of blow, like a day and a half. Yeah, that you're yeah. that you were that's smoking it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't. Otherwise, yeah. your nose would have fallen off your should head. Should be dead. I have. Uh, and here he is, 81. Well, this America. is my 12th anniversary of being 12 you know, years. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Don't say that because Jennifer Holiday at my 80th birthday made the joke. Garrett Burns is the only person I know who got off of Coke at the age of 69. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, (laughs) you've only been sober 12 years. I thought that was like a, I thought that was like a, we're talking decades at that point, but you're like, no. When I was there, when I was like, hey, I'm gonna be 70, I better. Why are you not putting out uh, exercise tapes or something? <laughs> Jack <laughs> Lane worked Morris, out and stayed and, and, and lived like. Up. Yeah, where's your where's your tape? Where's your tape? Man, that guy is agile for an older gentleman. Oh, you, don't, yeah. like, you don't even have to do anything; just sit there in front of the camera and just laugh. Sweat off pounds by just being a cokehead. <laughs> Make some money. Oh god. When no, did you? You know what? You are, Sorry, you are you are you are lucky to be alive, and I'm glad that uh, <clears throat> whatever. Um, led you to wanting to, you know, because if, if it, it really, you can only change that when you, you want to. Like. Right, right. I mean, um, you know, it wasn't just losing friends, uh, which was a part of it, but by the same token, you gain friends. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, those guys uh, aren't your friends. Right. <laughs> All losing money. Yeah. You know, uh, it was more about losing myself, you know, and I, one time I just sat down and said, hey, this is not you. This ain't you, man. It's not what you want to do. Yeah. It's not what you want to be, you know. And at 69, I said, well, fuck it. Hey, uh, Grandma Moses became famous at 66. <laughs> you don't know who Grandma Moses is. Yeah, no. You do? Yeah. Okay, yeah, she's, you know. But so. yeah, but I mean, and, and is that when you, how long ago did you start the Downtown Comedy Club? How, when did you start doing that? Um, damn, would be 2006. Okay. Maybe seven. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. shortly after the kind of turnaround, you yeah. started to kind of... And, but you had, you had worked. I mean, that's the other thing is it's, it's different 
Like you have worked pretty consistent for yeah, I've been lucky. I've been your very lucky. whole career. Really. I've been lucky. Yeah. So to have, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but to have a drug problem and continue to work yeah. is one thing. Whereas like when you don't have work and you that, have that drug oh habit, my God. that is a that's the combination that's like yeah, and, and the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you know, I mean, not that I'm trying to sound any guru, guru, guru. But uh, throughout that, I was meditating all the time, and um, I'm sure that helped me out a lot because when I finally got this side I want to get off, it's not, you know, some mind control going to make you not have um, uh, withdrawal. Yeah. Right. So uh, that helped me a lot with the withdrawal. I'm fascinated with the whole, I, it's funny you bring up the meditation because like I'm, 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 I don't do it, but I'm fascinated by it. And some of it seems like, you know, oh, pay for all this meditation and we'll teach you to do this. And then I also am like, is this is meditation some sort of like weird Amway thing? Well, like, how did you come about meditation? Well, I did pay, but you don't have to pay. There are a whole lot of ways you can meditate without being TM. I see, uh, yeah. I'm TM. That's, you do the TM. Okay, that's, that's the one I'm interested in. That's what in. you pay for. That's what yeah, you pay but, for. Yeah. But, but it's, it's not, so, that, so, it's, so you paid, but it's not an Amway scam. You pay because you it's just want to get scam. it right. No, no, I'm, but you have to, but if you read on it, some people are like, what am I paying for? Like you're all this stuff the stuff that I panic. You're paying for the well, centers that they maintain and the support and right, the other people that you right. can go see Also, at time. specifically, the method that Maharishi, Mahesh Yogi, hooked up, although supposedly only the teachers know what it is, it's a combination of your name and your date, something like that, Okay. to have a specific mantra for you, mm-hmm. right? Whereas others will have OM, yeah. and, which is also... Mind you, though I practice TM, yeah. uh, meditation, in my opinion, helps to uh, relax your brain, relieve stress, and also ex- exercises. Was it easy to get to that place, or was it a little bit of a struggle at first because it's unfamiliar? Well, uh, for me, TM was more a matter of understanding that all meditation is good. Okay. Right? So at first, I was not thinking that because I couldn't hook up my mind to the way it. So I thought I would say clearly all the time. What it does is, when you're meditating, a whole lot of stress is coming up, and you're seeing stuff. You're seeing yesterday what you did with your wife. You're seeing uh, uh, 10 years ago what you did with your girlfriend and got her pregnant. Uh, you, <laughs> Who's I mean, now your wife. Right, <laughs> right. and you know, the main thing is to remain uh, comfortably attached to the mantra throughout the five minutes of the And day. not connected to the and thoughts. Not, and not connected to the thoughts. As they come through, you just let right. them go. you let them go, hmm. which is hard to do. So that's the part of learning okay. it, right? Okay. That's um, the practice. And again, it's yeah. an eternal practice. You and do you physically forever. and mentally feel different yes. when you're done? Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. I do. I, um, for me, sometimes I feel something going on when I'm doing it. But as the day evolves, there's certain, because quiet as this gap, you may understand it. I'm really an introvert who dealt a lot of times. That's why the coke also fucked with that, right? So I'm a guy who way back there would spend most of my time in, at home. I'd go to the show, come back at home, would have very few social friends. Uh, and I began to deal with the fact that if I'm in show business, uh, if you're an introvert at home, uh, sometime during the day, you're going to be an extrovert, motherfucker. Right. Yeah. Okay? At some time, two hours at night, you are going to be an extrovert. And that's a part of your life. What? So the pig came a part of... Through that, I learned I was, it was a, a wag and a dog situation. Mm-hmm. I decided I would not let my, what I feel a lot of times, even now coming here, wag me. I would control it. Okay. All right. So for me, uh, that helps me a lot with that problem. 
But um, uh, for me, the meditation, I don't look upon it as being any better or worse than somebody else's stuff. I'm not saying it's some elixir or some, you know, what's, uh, I'm just saying for me, it helped me a lot in trying to uh, come back to where I was. No, that's good to know. And yeah. I think it's interesting that you started, you said you started meditating while you were still partying all the time. Well, I, yes, as a matter of fact, Bill Duke. Uh, the director, Bill Duke. But well, well, you can say director, and we, the rest of us, can go Predator, the movie <laughs> right, Predator. Predator. He is the blackest man <laughs> right. in the movie Predator. He is so black. Bill Duke <laughs> had some problems, which I'm not elaborate on. He went over to India. Oh, yeah, when the Maharishi first started out, so he got a mantra from the okay. guy himself. Wow, Holy and became cow. a teacher. Right? Okay. So when he came back, he gave me a thing in 1969. And it was in and out as said value because, like I said, I went through about, you know, 30 years of a Coke thing. But um, I was fooling myself because I wouldn't allow it to really do what it was supposed to do. Right. right? Uh, it may have been a reason why I came to begin to examine myself. Yeah, I was going to say, it, in, 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 the, in the process of like getting off drugs or stopping a certain habit that is bad for you, 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 it's real hard to just go cold turkey, but if you had been meditating along with it, then slowly the meditation and that part of your brain was like, we don't need this anymore. Oh, well, I feel that's the way... That's we can push it out. And that's like, yeah. and, and that's not an expensive rehab. I'm not saying this will work for everybody, and I'm not saying, if you're going to rehab, stop, turn around, just meditate. I'm just, I'll say this... If you're going to rehab, check carefully those ads on TV, all right? Because those are mostly, let me tell you what I'm going to say about this. I, before I, whatever, I used to work in rehab, right? So I became, I'm feeling with the fact that most people who get off, get off voluntarily, right? Um, I had uh, a couple of people in my uh, high school group that I taught that were, one lady was on Heroin got off. We thought she was cool. Her boyfriend got out of jail, got her back hooked again, and she OD'd. Um, so when I got shot in 1994, I was put on Demerol, wound up being shaken like this, right? So I asked the doctor, I said, hey, you guys go help me get off. He checked out his notes and said, well, Gary, it's going to cost you $7,500 a week, mm-hmm. right? This is one of their rehabs, right? So I said, no, doctor, that's cool. And I went back and cold turkey myself. Now, I'm not saying that those expensive rehabs don't work. Just but I went to Alcohol- Alcoholics Anonymous, which is free, right? The only thing that bothers me is that everything is about Christ. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm a Buddhist. I'll let them hold my hand and, you know, all that stuff. But they call your ass all the motherfucking time. <laughs> you get sick of them motherfuckers calling you. <laughs> Okay, I'm not doing it. Oh, okay. Just but they just annoy you. Annoy the just like, hell out of you. It's <laughs> bother you until you stop. But it worked. Yeah. Okay. And if you're somebody making thirty five thousand, forty thousand a year, you don't pay. They pay no seven thousand a week. Right. Or for that matter, two thousand a hundred. Go there. You, you know? also, again, like you said, the voluntary part. The volunteer, voluntary. The voluntary part of it is. Um, they, you have to want to, like, there, yeah, you do. It's you really do. like it's it's an individual thing, and you can't like we could tie you to a table and make you not do something, but like eventually we're gonna have to let you have to go to the bathroom, and guess what? You're probably gonna get out. Like, John, there was a story about this alcoholic from Australia, 
not alcohol. Let me take that. There's heroin addicts from Australia because AA has alcoholics, heroin, and coke stuff too. This guy, Brian, was uh, his mom would be hooking him up. She'd go to work, and finally he'd go out to his connection, right? He promised he wouldn't do it, right? So finally, she chained his ass to the bed. She goes to work. Know what he does? Cuts his hand off. <laughs> Saw. Hey, look. That's something. Walked down the street with the bed attached to him? That's what he did. <laughs> that's exactly what he did. He unhooked the bed, back of the bed, walked down to the subway, oh got God. into the subway with the back of the bed, went to connection. Yeah. That's how people can. You can't. You, you know. like, you I, can't I, I'm, I'm less judgmental of him and more judgmental of all the people that let him hang out with them as they as he got from point A, a to, to point, point B, B and never went. This this does not look I'm right. Sure, but I mean, if you're in New York, none of it, nothing looks right. You're like, well, all right, that's that guy's deal, I guess. I, Whatever. That's his deal. That's your look. That's that's what you're going with. The old handcuff to the old <laughs> part of the bed. Sure, <laughs> disco. Wait, what size chain is that? I'm thinking, as you get that at Urban Outfitters, where'd you get that chain? Where'd you get that? But yeah, the, you see, this is a serious uh, comment on uh, drug abuse. <laughs> but but that just goes to show you, yeah, yeah, how deep it is hey, that man. addiction. Whatever it takes, right? That's kind of the thing. That means you got a guy who his wife, his kids don't mean shit. No, family no. don't mean shit. Well, no. nothing. I mean, and and it's and it's not. It's and it's really the drugs talking though. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like that person underneath there is is not probably a bad person. They're just John lost. You, John, you know and I have you looked at Investigator Discovery? Uh, I'm hooked on it. No, I haven't watched it. There are people who have killed people just to get them to take the hit of heroin. That's it. Whatever it takes. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, I mean that's yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe, but I've seen It's hard to believe because we're not on heroin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if somebody coming off heroin would be like, oh, no, I could see that. <laughs> I, I could see stabbing somebody for the next, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I, that's, it's, uh, yeah, man, drugs are, it's a, it's a rough, and then and coming up when you did and being in that era, and they, I mean, obviously, the stories of Saturday Live are, they're legendary, and everybody, there's been horrible tragedies that come out of that show, you know, for <laughs> yeah. decades now, so. Uh, yeah. Oh, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Yeah. Yeah. Yield, of course, that of cancer. Yeah, which was real. That's that's even like to me. That's just yeah. that's three times as sad because yeah. she was like she she would have been. She was so beautiful. She, she would have been in like every Tina Fey movie. You know what I mean? She would have right. been in like she right. she would have been Forrest Gump's mom. She would have right. been like she would have just. There's so many. She was great. Man. She yeah. I mean, can I ask you a question? Because a lot of times it's so. It, Somebody like that who's no longer with us. There's, there's, there's the person, and then as they pass, becomes maybe the myth of of that gets bigger, right? Well, so hate. was she, was she that gen, like was she the everybody loved? Was she uh, that genuinely sweet yes. person? Yes, on and off. Yes, camera all the time. Yes. She yes. was, she was who everybody says I can she was say unequivocally. Yes, which is good because That's, you don't you, you never uh, want really. that shoe to drop. It's about like, well, let me but, tell you something. But, but also, you know, was she married to Gene Wilder for yeah. right? right. And, and everything you've ever heard about him, it's like as a couple, like that right. must have been like the good. most enjoyable I, couple I, to be around. I liked him as a couple, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, because he was just so like he got married again. But do you think he was ever really the same? I, I can't. I mean, you know, I can't speak to that. I don't. Me I, either. But, but I just the idea that you lose the love of your life and then he became quieter after that. It yeah, seemed. he did. He did. He did. He yeah. more recluse. I should, I should say. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you, we were talking about the Chris Farley thing. Um, in comparisons, they always compared his craziness, uh, the, the just never stop thing to John Belushi. Was that, did, did you see that in him, the nonstop? See, I wasn't around with Chris Farley. No, 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 the John Belushi stuff. Oh, was, yeah, was, yeah. Was it like, uh, uh, you know, like some people was, are just, was, just there's, there's a drive, right? I, I see. I credit John with not being as familiar with drugs as I was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I really was aware. He's from Wheaton, Illinois. The dangers, You're from Louisiana. Of the dangers. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see what you say. Uh, one f- f- reason why I never even thought of uh, cocaine. I mean, uh, heroin. Because as a kid, I'd heard about Charlie Parker. That story alone caused me to say I'll never okay. touch wow. heroin. And Good then there was a jazz position, right? But when I got, you know, I. I even read about cocaine and stuff. Not that it stopped me from being... Right, right. But uh, I don't think John... He was... I found out that he was doing that... What do you call it? Uh, Speedball. uh, Speedball. Speedball. Hey, look, I was a medic in the Army. I tell you, I wasn't putting no needle in my arm for anything. For anything. That's how far gone you have to... I used to do... Intravenous pyrogram. Do you know what that is? No. That's where you put um, um, a dye in the um, <sighs> urethra, not oh. urethra, the uh, oh. urinary tract oh. and, and the esophagus and stuff. But you shoot the dye into the arm. I never shot. Oh, really? Oh, hell no. Got the nurse or the doctor. I didn't do it. You know? But um, for me, uh, I was very surprised when he did, uh, when I got the news. And people are really so heartless, man. I get a call not knowing what it was. This newspaper person has gotten my number. And uh, do you have anything to say? I said, about what? John Belushi. I said, what do you mean, John Belushi? He just overdeed. He died. Well, this is the first time hearing about it, dickhead. Right, right. right. And I just hung up. But um, I was really... And the thing, ironically, John had become sort of a, I began to realize it was the cocaine, mm-hmm. but he changed entirely towards me in the last year or so. Because of his addictions and just the, way, the I path, believe he, the path he, he was leading. His personality, yeah. does a whole lot of stuff. I was also acting like a fool. Yeah. But no more than anybody, anybody else. else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh you know, um, but um, you know he um, had. A, he even wrote a piece that was on TV in which he predicted I would die. Is that with the one where he's dancing on everybody's grave? Yeah, of heroin, and he never knowed me to take heroin. You know, but what he did do, if I can say this now, because uh, when we were both on that coke thing, I get a knock on the door. Mind you, he hasn't talked to me in a week or two. We're doing the show. And it just happened more than once. Garrett, you know, can you hook me up? And I stopped doing it. But at first, I would leave just all the coke there. And John would take a thing, and almost all of it would be gone, right? So I said, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I know what to do the next time. But um, I'm sure it was the cocaine and the drugs that made him uh, begin to act like that. Because there was nothing between him and I yeah. that ever happened. There was no rift. There was, there was no, nothing yeah. that happened on the no show. Riff. Not that he, I was aware of. Because from what I've read, he's he he had, like, I think there was some riff. Like, a lot of people didn't get along with Chevy. That's a pretty obvious riff. And there was, when Bill Murray came on, there was, and Chevy came back to host, there was an altercation backstage. Yeah. And 
I mean, there was there was definitely some, you know, and that's like egos plus cocaine plus like you're famous now and you weren't three months ago. Yeah, like right, it's like right. what? Right. Yeah, there was only three television I, networks back I mean, then. It was a little bit the, the attention was like, and was, and that's the thing is like when SNL came. Like if you premiered a sketch show today, people would go, I couldn't. Was it on YouTube? I couldn't find it. Where was it? <laughs> but SNL, like you said, three networks. Everybody watched. SNL. Well, because there was, there was no competition either, right? There was nobody else nobody. Was doing sketch shows. Like, until that was they, it. Till, uh, no, Tom Snyder. Tom Snyder. Something he had, but he... Oh, yeah. He had a show called Saturday Night or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. And then it was Friday Night. Yeah, he moved uh, up. Right. And then there was SCTV. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But that right. came on after you after guys, it, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, that was the 80s. That was in the 80s. I, I was told I had to go to bed by then. I was not allowed to. But I mean, you, that was ladies like, and gentlemen. This man is letting me know how young he was when I was actually in AARP. Thank you very much, Brian. Sorry. So, okay, um, but what, I feel bad. I'm oh, sorry. Real okay, quick, real quick. Do, was there a noticeable like? We did the show on Saturday night, and I went out for breakfast on Sunday, and everyone was like in your face. Was there anything kind of? See my introversion thing. No. I would go home right afterwards. Yeah, which was a mistake. I was gonna say you didn't go. Tell me why that was a mistake. Because one of the things you got to do is to hang out with people in the show, get to know them or not know them, not have them think you're being an asshole, uh, right? And all of that. They're not thinking you're an introvert. They're thinking yeah. you're a fucking asshole. I'm going right? through that. Right. And then uh, alliances and conspiracies happen that you're not a part of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah. It's like that golf game. That the business people you got to go oh, to. Yeah. 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 So the after night thing is something you should do. So you, so, did, you never went to when they had the, when Belushi Necrod had the club and the. A couple of times I went to a Willie, um, Willie, uh, what's his name? The country western thing. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson had a place downtown. A couple of times I went there, but I didn't hang out a lot. Um, you know. And real quick, this is for my own. When the Grateful Dead did play in the 70s, didn't they? Did they play SNL in the 70s? Wow. Damn, you got me on that. <laughs> uh, I was just wondering if there was any kind of... Because I know uh, they had hung out... There was a, there's a story about them going back to that bar that Belushi and Aykroyd had. And then they... I think it was when the Blues Brothers were on, maybe. Mm -hmm. Similar time. I was just curious if you ever met Jerry Garcia. That was it. No, and I met Jerry Garcia. I would... Remember, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. not remember, or not remember. Just curious, but yeah, I, I, I feel what you're saying is is true to this day. Like I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself. I guess I maybe I am, but I guess I wouldn't have used the term introvert. But but I, I want to do my set, and then I want to go home. I have a nice wife at home. I like talking to. Yes. I have a TV. I like watching. Hey. I like to lay down. Hello. You know what I mean? Like I'm just. It's comfortable, and then there's nobody around, which I enjoy. Hey, but. You Notice do. he says lay down. He's got a young wife. No, yeah. she has to get on the other couch. I lay oh. down. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but yeah, there is make the, room for daddy. The aspect of like what I did when I was like in the in the kind of like the heyday of like my drinking and going out and mm -hmm. doing whatever was go out, do my stuff, come home, and then party with like three different people that I knew that weren't comics, and then that was it. And then you miss out on. Hey, why aren't I getting booked for more shows? Because nobody knows you're around. Because you haven't said you wanted to do the show. Because you haven't said hello. Because you haven't shown up at another show you weren't on. Because you're not out and nobody knows where you are. Yeah. I would um, go home, talking about being an introvert, there would be a couple of ladies. No, sure. Okay. That's a different type of introvert. Yes, and we'd yeah. cook a horny up. Introvert. And we'd cook up and do whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it wasn't all bad. 
Is that and what you're Drew, saying? Uh, yeah. And Drew, one lady, I just told my niece about this, uh, who um, uh, later on, uh, when I married my second wife, Congrats. she got a call. <laughs> <Congrats>. <laughs> she got a call, and she said, there's a lady on the phone. And this. I got on the phone, and it's Imayu Asfal, an Ethiopian lady that I went with. By the way, if you get a chance, do it. Okay. 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 So also, a lot of things are going to have to change in our circumstances. Oh, also, I'm just having no, lunch. By the way, uh, every John day. and Brian would never do this. <laughs> Thank you. I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Um, and she was calling me to tell me that I had a son. Oh. So I said, my, I said, we broke up. I remember you were pregnant about a year after I saw you were like a little bit pregnant. I said, it wasn't me. She said, no, no, it was you. It was you. So I said, look, Ma, you send your brother's blood to UCLA Medical Department. I'm sending mine. Let's check it and see. So the doctors came back and told me, like Maury Povich, you are 99.999, not the father. Did you dance? What was your dance like? Did you have a Maury <laughs> dance? <laughs> oh, I just did a slow drag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, So he said, do you want me to? Tell her, well, you tell her. I said, you tell her, right? So he calls her and tells her. Then she calls me back the next day and says, don't believe that doctor. Come to Canada. Oh, oh okay. I let a Canadian doctor do it. How <laughs> <laughs> is that, oh, that better? <laughs> right? So, but listen, this is not the country. About 15 years later, maybe 10 years later, I get a call. I don't know how this young man got my number. I'm at, now I'm broken up with my second wife. I'm in uh, New York licking my wounds, and this gentleman calls, talks to me, says he's a student at Mohawk University in medical school. I said, what's your name? He said, so-and-so Oswald. I said, oh. He said, yes. He said, you went with my mother. I said, yes, I did. He says to me, I swear to God, this is what he asked me, are you my father? So she never let it go. Never let it go. Never let it go. Put it on you. I don't know if I should call that evil or... I'd call it misguided, misguided. really. I mean, well, that's then, not I mean, cool. What do you say? It's like now you're in this position of like... Well, now this kid thinks you're a dick. Yeah. When this kid's been knowing, he's like, oh, right. Garrett Morris, oh, he's in the new movie. He's, in, he's Ant-Man. He's played... No, fuck that guy. Like, yeah. right. what? Right. Right. Like, Instead right. of allowing him to heal and move on because right. he never got to meet his real father right. or whatever, right. to, to, be, to be led to believe that you are to be let down then is also... That's why when I'm an introvert, I just went home and had pizza. And you know what? You know what? Pizza didn't call me back ten years. <laughs> Turns later. out Brian actually married a pizza, and <laughs> he's not real. Not that I, I. I just ate the pizza. I want to be very clear about what I did with the pizza. But you had it though. <laughs> but but <laughs> that sounds. But what did you tell that kid? I mean, what did you, you tell that guy? <laughs> huh? What did you tell that kid? I told him. I said, um, forgot his name. I said, no. I said, remember the blood test. I said, don't you remember the blood test? I said, you know, the doctor said I was not your father. You know. God, to still and just I, have to say that regardless. Right. Uh, that I would have to do that. Again. Yeah. Was, is, the, was the, is the mom still around? No, she died of leukemia. Oh. Uh, and at that time, she had died. And you're right. He may still think that. Yeah. But Ancestry.com is now on. Yeah, yeah but how legit are those things? Whoa. Yeah? You ever heard of the Golden State Killer? Yeah. Is that how they found him? They're implying that. Minded, they haven't officially said it. All the newsmen have gotten the word, right? And they're saying, and then she said, I can't say anything. 
Hey, Ancestry.com probably hooked up a cousin or an uncle or whatever, right? Since the guy was a cop, they probably went to one of these people and said, let me check out your kinfolk. And they found out who was a cop. I bet any money that's how they did Because the news people are saying Ancestry.com. Really? Well, I know um, Michelle McNamara's book. Uh, Pat Oswalt's wife. um, She used it? Uh, Yeah, she wrote the book about the Golden State Killer. And her book also helped lead. Well, they're saying that part of it helped lead to this guy's arrest. Like her staying on the case. Because the DA was on things saying that wasn't true. But I hate it. Oh, really? Yeah, but hey, I believe what you're saying. Well, I mean, she 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 wrote a book which brought it to national attention. Yeah. That that because that was the first I'd ever heard 42 of it. Forty two fucking years, man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. See, so forty two years—that's as, as old John, as I am. John, would you say that a guy who could get away from forty two already? I'm thinking he ain't no ordinary motherfucker. No, yeah. no, he's that not has your to average be somebody, dude. Somebody, a cop or somebody like. For me, I've been thinking that one. That he knew. Cop technique. Do you remember when it all went down? Were you were you out here? Fact, did you live out here at the time lately, or no? Oh no, only lately okay. did I even come in to know about the yeah. Golden State Killer. No. Yeah. How long but, have you lived in Cal? You've lived mostly in New York, right? You're uh, from, from when you started entertainment. It was it says was it mostly New I York arrived most of your in life? New York when I was twenty two. Okay. Uh, just got out of Dillard University. Okay. I was there for like twenty five years. Okay. And I've been here for like another hundred years. <laughs> Okay. But you back and but you go back and forth. You're back. Yes, I do. Yes, you're I do. The landlord's trying to get rid of me. I was going to say you have a place back there too. And then, yes. Yeah. And dig this. I'm paying. I know you're going to seven fifty a month. That's why the landlord wants to get rid. of Yes. Seven hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> for an apartment in New York. I'm telling you. I How long have you had it? Large living room, L shaped hallway, a large bedroom, four closets. You Airbnb a that thing when you're not there. Kitchen. <laughs> You can get like $2,000 a night for it. That's how much they're paying next to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, you must have got that thing in 1976. <laughs> and they will get it out of my cold, cold dead, dead yeah. black yeah. hands. I mean, that 76, and, and was it seven, so was it seven fifty when you moved in then? And you're like, God no, damn, this is like, a lot of money. Oh, no, it was like, yeah, right now, it was like 500 something. And you're like, like everyone's like, oh, Garrett got yeah. a fucking mansion, a $500 right. apartment. Holy shit. Man, and you're overlooking the Hudson. And it's a corner thing, so you can see the street and see the Hudson, too. Wow. And before they start the flotilla, I used to see the boats going down every now year. Now it's just dead bodies floating uh, down the <laughs> Mob hits. Hey, it's a great apartment. I hope the landlord takes, because this time they didn't send the lease. They didn't uh, say you're out. They didn't send the lease. Oh, you got it. So you got to keep that. That's that's a that's a story. It. That's that's a yeah. It's, I mean, that's it, a story in man, itself. That well, if they go up to like you know enough that if I go to a hotel, I'd be paying less. I got to think about it. Oh well, yeah, 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 yeah sure. It's yeah. not, and that is like a problem. And I shouldn't say like I know, but like being bi coastal, it's nice to have a, your you own. You said bi coastal, not bi- yeah. I said bi coastal. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, wh- or whatever. Uh, but you you spend a lot of time. But by being by extra people, you have to uh, <laughs> you have to like you want to be comfortable. If you're this is your be boy, there. <laughs> Yeah, he's my boy. <laughs> But you want to be comfortable if you're going to be spend time in New York, and you don't want to be mooching off your friends and like having to pay a million dollars for hotels. So, Hello. a couple of things I want to, because I, I don't, I'd hate to not cover a bunch of stuff before you go. But I, I, I was always left with the impression, not from you, but like from um, uh, uh, just the the business that you were that you don't 
like you had a horrible time with SNL. You didn't get along with anybody. That that's why you don't participate in anything. I mean, that doesn't. Based on these conversations, it's it's you're not sitting here all angry. Like, it was it was well, it was a I lot of that, that fiction because because you were just like, look, I don't want to talk about that, and people just kind of made created this big myth of like. But when the they say not participating in thing, I went back for the fifteen. Yeah, anniversary. I just was there for the 40th, 50th anniversary. I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, I was going to say, you were at the 40th. Right, right. Yeah. But before and that, though, never... there was this big thing that you had that you had this big grudge. And they, and they also, might, it, there's a follow-up question to this, which is that, uh, I can't remember when it came out, but they were they were uh, talking about the Eddie Murphy years and then going back and, and, and referencing the Garrett Morris years and just and, and using you as part of the argument of, like, that they weren't really... They weren't into minorities. They really weren't pushing women and that stuff. And they would they would always refer to you. And I never really, I never knew if that was a part of the thing that you were you were outspoken about that, or if they were just pointing to you and just using you as a point of reference. It just seemed like no, there was a lot I, of information I, out I, there no, for you. I was out, uh, outspoken. I you know used a few cuss words a few times about um, stuff, but uh, I, I don't know what they mean by I, I, I think by it, that because I was. A whole lot of people um, <laughs> wrote me letters, um, you know, who uh, didn't like some of the stuff I did, including the NAACP. Okay, what? Uh, yeah, um, and a couple of uh, black um, workers, one of whom I had gotten a job, actually threatened not to work one week because of a piece that me and Michael Donahue were going to do, uh, because at that time. Uh, there was a whole lot of stuff going on in the black community that was phony. Many was like, I'm blacker than you are, nigga. So one would try to out-black the other, out-black the other. So we came up with the idea of a black guy who didn't want anything white on him, including he didn't want white eyes. <laughs> no laugh. Didn't want white teeth. Okay. So we had this eye stuff and toothpaste that we rehearsed, right? And I said, I was going to do it. Sure enough, two guys threatened they would not do the show. And apparently wrote the NAACP. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, a lot of people try to do in-depth as if they really understand the mechanism. You know, um, I have no problem with Eddie Murphy. He's a comic genius and, you know, more power to him. I'm a Buddhist who believes in where you are probably is where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. So I have no problem with being where I am. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to say I got anything financially that the IRS would hear right. and come at, right? I think you're giving the but, podcast a little too much credit. Right. <laughs> but, but I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining about myself economically. Uh, I have no idea what they see. They see... It ought to be that way. Yes, yeah. that's right. it. And they, they see yeah. you're lying if you don't have this envious stuff about them. I don't. Or if you, or if you, <coughs> like, like again, goes you being an introvert, you going home, like, yeah, that right. Could be perceived as, oh, he hated everybody. Right. Yeah. He was a huge dick. We were right. all having a great time, and Garrett right. went home. Garrett doesn't like to socialize. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with these people. This is just who he is as a person. Yeah, right. But people aren't going to accept that. Not going to accept that. No, like, you got to be out with me. Hang that out. That doesn't make news, right? Yeah. No, but I always I, I had a lot of stuff that I did. I'm saying again, that does not make me to be anything else but a motherfucker you didn't want to be around because I did a lot of stuff on cocaine. Yeah. All right. So I wasn't any choir boy. 
uh, many times, right? But when it comes to that particular thing, um, many times we had discussions about racial stuff. And uh, yes, every week or so, forgotten, damn, he's going to come in. Um, my name, he's a Jewish guy, he's a Jewish writer who even writes right now. Not Al Franken. Not Al, no, not Al Franken. Um, I think he was doing something other than writing. If I last I checked, he was. Uh, yeah, but we're talking about we're talking about back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah, right. This is a writer who was not an actor, but he wrote on the show. Anyway, there were times when I complained about the fact that four or five weeks would go by and I'm doing nothing, right? So every four or five weeks they'd hook up something. I'd be complaining about that. Right. Why did that have to complain? But like that's that? a natural complaint, right? Like you're an that's actor a work, on the that's show. A work, that's yeah. part of an actor. You want to act, sh- right? Right. So the way they put this, attach this the spin envy it. thing to it, this racial thing to it, I grant a whole lot of racial thing was going on. But not everybody, for instance, white on that show, even one that even either. Although one of the writers, a very brilliant writer, uh, had a thing in there about a doctor on Park Avenue. I said, well, why can't I play it? And he said, well, people would be turned off by a black doctor on Park Avenue. This is one of your progressive on things. So we did have some discussions where you had to get people clear about stuff like that. But, um, you know, battling that particular thing and the amount of stuff that came out cannot be attached to me not talking about it. Right. And me not fighting for more. Right. You know, if there are those who say that, then they simply weren't there. Do you look back on it fondly? Yes. I mean, look, I was 17 years in the business. I was known on the east side. I'd been a writer, been an actor, I've been all that, and nobody knew me in the nation until some Lauren Michaels uh, did that thing with that. And life. what's interesting about your story, unlike the way it seems to work now, is you were, it, it sounds to me that you weren't out just like this improv guy that they found. You were actually uh, acting. You were doing Broadway stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, that, that's pretty rare by the way they normally do stuff, though, correct? Would you say yeah, for, for, the, yeah. for, the, for the actual career tra- trajectory for SNL, yeah. that's not a typical Probably way to be on that unique, show? unique. Probably only career that I don't, probably only person. Were you the who only one that like had that? that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. there was no one and, who was like, "Oh, I read your play." Right, and, I, and I saw you on that's one of the reasons why it led to people saying I wasn't the right choice because it was prefer a more comic black guy mm-hmm. associated with comedy, right? Even Richard Pryor, whom I grant is the penultimate I mean, monologues of my life. Okay, um, but there are other guys as well. Matter of fact, one black guy that I actually got on the show told me I was a, a Uncle Tom. I won't call his name. but um, Do you think a part of that is bec- that was the time that you were in and what was yeah, going on in yeah. society that caused people to act the way, the way they were acting? Like, like progressives on the left right now. You can't say you're for gun control and be on the left. you got to dot your I, cross your T, the way everybody on the extreme left does, or somehow you're not real. Right? Now, I have always been for the most extreme stuff. <laughs> I was ready for pot to be legalized. I was ready for legal uh, prostitution. Okay? Shut up, Brian. <laughs> okay? He looked at me strangely. I was, because I deal with science. For instance, do you know in all the places where legal prostitution hooked up, within a year or so, 30% STD went down? Yeah. Right? And I bet you a lot more violent crime goes down. in all yeah. places where it's legal... The lowest amount of STD is in the prostitution. Because uh, it's controlled and monitored. Because it's controlled. Yeah. 
Yet, here in this country, they say, no, 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 don't do it. Those motherfuckers know that if it was legal, it would prove to them that just because it's immoral doesn't mean anybody got, like they talk about pornography. Yeah. If you really want to work in pornography, you got your letter from your doctor, motherfucker, <laughs> or you ain't yeah, working. Yeah, exactly. Once or twice it's broken out, and they have been not They right. have detained it pretty, right. yeah, pretty it's quickly. It's a billion dollar industry, that's why. It can be truthfully said that mm-hmm. the lowest STD in the country is in pornography <laughs> and the Mustang <laughs> Ranch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yet you can't legalize it. Yeah. Because what are you talking about? Legalize it's moral. It's immoral. What? So in the sixties, the things I was that they, that. yeah, but the, yeah, but the <laughs> things that they have waiting a long legal, time. Yes, like they talk about, you talk about immoral. I mean that just, it's laughable because the things that are legal, uh, oh, alcohol is moral somehow. Like we, well, again, it's how they control it. And Charles Grass, right? He wants to redo all that bad shit. Now, mind you, I'm gonna ask you a question. If grass is classified as a class A felony, which makes it equal to heroin and coke, how did they arrive at that scientific opinion? Yeah. Science? No, they didn't. Yeah. Because they've never allowed a double-blind study. Yeah. The FDA has never allowed it. So that doesn't come from science. And here's the hypocrisy. They have a ranch in Meridian, Mississippi, been growing marijuana for the last 100 years, and they've got two medicines they patented out of it. So when they say it has no medical value, they're oh, lying, shit. motherfuckers. They are. Well, also, there's, there's video proof of kids with, who have seizures yeah. being given THC. I yeah. saw there's, that thing. There's, there's all kinds of proof. You I know saw what I mean? it. And if you're... And if you're, and if you're the only I heard Neil Brennan say this, and I thought it was so funny. He's like, "Of course, Republicans don't want marijuana legal because no one's ever gotten high and become more Republican. <laughs> no one's ever been like, you know what? Yeah, fuck those poor people. Like it, that just doesn't happen. You become <laughs> compassionate. Your mind opens up. You become friendly. You Speaking become- of that, that may be the reason why I'm a Democrat right now. <laughs> yep. Right now, I'm full of marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> right now, yes, he's a Democrat because right? I have a medical marijuana card. Yeah, and I um, sleep by the chocolates. Boom! I'm out. Yeah, and although yeah, it does not that. help with it doesn't help with major pain, it helps with minor pain, right? Well, do you do the CBD? Well, the CBD. If you did straight CBD, it might help the pain more, but it won't get you. <laughs> well, I, I right now I'm doing a thing called Cymbalta. Cymbalta. Yes, right. But you're right. The CBD might yeah. do that. What's the? You said you you eat the chocolates to sleep. So what does it do? You just take a little bit of it, and it just what it just calms you. It just what's the. Because I, I can't sleep, so I would totally... Well, and I love chocolate. Well, do I have, do I have, well, if you take a couple of those chocolates, uh, between 45 and two hours, mind you, take that long from behind. Oh, reason okay. why I warned you, because a lot of people are taking it, within an hour, they go to So sleep. they eat more. Right. And then they're like, hey, by the way, <laughs> now will I see your butterflies. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you take uh, just a little bit at first, right, uh, within 45 minutes to two hours... You are usually within an hour. And a good night's sleep. A good, yeah. oh, my, uninterrupted yeah. night's oh, sleep. Oh, yeah, uninterrupted. Yeah. But see, you guys know, and like a lot of people know, the, it was the paper industry that was against this, mm-hmm. and the pharmaceutical industry that yeah. was against yeah. it. And the beer companies. And the beer companies. Alcohol companies are definitely hey. against it, because yeah. if people started getting high every day, they might not need to drink 42 Budweiser's on the weekend to have a good day. Hey, that's yeah. only uh, uh, Andre the Giant. <laughs> you can buy yeah. cigarettes, right? <laughs> the worst And drug. sell cigarettes. Yeah. You don't go to jail. That cigarettes leads to about 
three hundred thousand deaths a year. I know, that's crazy. Right? Marijuana. You can buy no alcohol. Well. You can sell alcohol. Don't go to jail. About two hundred fifty thousand people die from that. Marijuana ain't killed a motherfucker yet. And they're putting drug dealers, putting marijuana dealers in jail. They're doing all kinds of dumb Hello? shit. That, yeah. Yeah, it's, they're taxing the wrong. They're they're, they're taxing they're us the wrong sure way. They're making it comes hard. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's so weird to me. Not to completely change the subject because I, I want I, you were telling Damn. me uh, no 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 we won't talk about marijuana anymore. We solved <laughs> okay. it. We solved it. It's we happening. Okay. Okay. And I don't. And the, if I, the whole world would live to us, boy. And if, <laughs> hey, Brian, John, if everybody would live to us. We solved the world problem. Calif- we were in the right state. California's a leader. It's a oh. changer. California. They're going to be changing laws. It's changing. Yeah. And I, so I, because I won't need a card, right? I don't need a card no, anymore. No, do you I don't need just, a card I can at all literally now. go into a green Well, shop. right now, do it anyway, because here in LA, it's supposed to be that way too. But they make you get a card. Well, the oh, thing okay. is with the card, your taxes are down a little bit when you go in. And then also, oh. I, for me, it's just legally, you can just go, look, I have a, I have a yeah, prescription. Right. You can oh, point okay. at it. Before I so rudely interrupt. I can just show my, my bent finger and that's enough, you think? Sure. Okay, good. Football incident. So, um, I, 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 John is like me. War injury. Yeah. John was like me. He, we were, so before the show, you weren't here, baseball was on. Uh-huh. And he, I, can you, I know, I knew you already told me, but it'll be fresh if you tell him. Can you tell him this story? That you told about, me about uh, about baseball and and about and, and how that how that whole oh, how that whole character yeah. came up and stuff. Like it was really you had me rolling, and I felt bad well, that John wasn't here. Yeah, and also the listeners can hear it because it's a great story about uh, the whole. Because it started with the conversation about Brian Doyle Murray, correct? right? Right, Brian yeah. Doyle is the one who wrote the piece, but then we were actually improvising, right? Right. So we'd have the premise and get up and improvise. During and the this week. is based on a real person. Uh, no, hey, or not a real person, Brian. But. And Bill wrote this about their own experiences as Catholic kids. Every month there would be this gathering with a whole lot of things happening that were traditional, including the uh, nun who would be the coach of the basketball team, and she'd tell about whatever, and they'd make uh, talk about the dues. And at the end of it, they'd have then uh, a speech. And the, the rule then was... To have a speech by one of those Latina uh, baseball players uh, who didn't know a word of English. So, uh, I now my assignment is I don't know a word of English. So, we improvise, we improvise to come up, and I get up, I say, um, Mind you, John improvising as the priest, right? So, he says, oh, no, no, Mr. Chico Escuela. So, I come up and I say, uh, uh, Thank thank you very, very much. Uh, Baseball being very, very good to me. Thank you very much. (laughs) And then I would leave, right? So John gets up and says, hold on. He didn't say, hold on, motherfucker, right? He says, hold on, wait a minute. He said, you're getting $500 a word. You get on up here and say something more than than, uh, baseball being very, very good to you. So I said, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Uh, um, thank you better than it was. Uh, uh, keep dry on the ball. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I felt proud because, like I said, I improv in the hood. Yeah, and then I could come up with that, right? Because <laughs> I had hit Whitey, kill Whitey. I couldn't use that. I had and showed up. That's how we got. Uh, that's how it. Chico Escuela. So, 
what you just exp- a, 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 oh what God. you just did for us like we're we're laughing i was in a moment like that are you guys like breaking down laughing because yeah, yeah. it's like it, yeah, it, yeah. And there's was, no way yeah. like you're yeah, we, bill we, murray you can't John help it right no, like, it's could. so ridiculous <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right oh my god was, I mean, you say i know i know no word you know i don't <laughs> And, and it, they kept it in. And, and, and that, to me, I think, like all the other stuff, remove everything else that we, we know, from a creative standpoint, that's the joy of it, right? That's the whole point of being able to sit around, connecting, finding that gem, yeah, right? Yeah, and, right. Go, and going back and back right. and just and laughing and laughing right, and right, laughing right. and just and saying to yourself, oh, good God, I hope everybody else thinks this is as funny as us because we're having so much fun with this, right? Like, that's the whole thing. And it's a moment when your job really hits a certain note. Yeah, you're like, this is what I'm getting paid for. You Right. Right, you say I'm paid to do this. Yeah, this you seems know? like I'm cheating society. <laughs> I'm paid to do this. <laughs> I'm almost having an orgasm. <laughs> They're paying me to actually come, mm-hmm. you know, because something yeah. I did. <laughs> you know, I really, yeah. That, and the thing is, again, I, although I, I did have sort of a thing about it because I was feeling like though I was not ashamed of how I trained for improv. Yeah, in improv in the hood. Dick Williams, I don't know if you know who he is, Gilbert Moses, uh, both the great directors. They were improv more about conditions in the black community. Okay. So if a, if a joke came up, it came up. But it wasn't because we weren't trying to talk about L- junkies. Right. It's like and, the Richard Pryor show. Right. Like if you watch the Richard Pryor, there's a couple sketches that aren't necessarily comical. Right, right. But they are about situations right. that were in right. the black community at the right, time. Right, right. Yeah. But that, that happened, and I felt like I was on, because I was intimidated, right? Felt like, I, whoa. I'm on the bandwagon with these ones. Yeah, you're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And Gilda and Jane were always dealt with more as a, a human being, a fraud human being, but a human being, right? Right. Um, I began to realize I've been dealt with more as an object of competition. Okay, object uh, of competition. Yeah, from John. Yeah. Uh, sometimes from Chevy. From John, sometimes from Chevy. Um and I know that my, my what I was doing wasn't helping those who like me, okay? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Because, um, you know, but again, I'm not judgmental of John in that way because, um, hey, like I said, if you're doing an eighth in a day, <laughs> I could be dead my damn self. Yeah, you know? it's very, uh, yeah. you are a very fortunate man. And also, you kind of brushed over this. You just like when I got shot in '96, <laughs> and then you like, moved on. Like it was like when I brushed my teeth last week, like '94. '94. Oh uh, yeah, I uh, same year I got cancer. Really? Yeah, '94. How's it going? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It was testicular cancer. Wait a minute, you just talking about cancer? Well, like, well, I've talked you? about it on the show before, though. I've I have I only have one testicle. I've talked about it myself. Aren't you glad you followed up that question, Garrett? Yeah. <laughs> I now question that. I question my follow-up. Tell me more. I only have one testicle. Uh, tell, me less. Uh, tell me less. Tell me less. Tell me less. I only have one testicle. That's less. Well, I, but, I, it's a long time since I've heard testicular, testicular <laughs> comedy. <okay? laughs> I couldn't get the word out. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm going to get my car done. At um, a gentleman's um, place on 11th Street and 67th, 11th Avenue and 67th Street in L.A. In L.A.? Yeah. Okay. And when I get there, I go upstairs and he's talking to an insurance man about an accident he witnessed. 
So he had to get that straight. So I said to him, Kamadi, his name was Kamadi. I said, hey, bro, I'm going to the store and get some orange juice. You want some? He said, no, 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 no. So I go down. As I'm going down, the two people, a young boy, about 21, and a girl, I go past, but I don't know is they turn around. And he grabs me, right? Now, I was about 55 at the time. And I always, at five foot six, looked for the talk out of the fight. Oh, yeah. I ain't like Richard Pryor, but I looked for talking out of this motherfucker. But if you come from behind, yeah. you grab me, right? Not time for talk. What happened was my dojo, dojo thing kicked in. Because he grabbed me wrong. He grabbed me tight here, but we had a gun here, which meant his arm was loose. So what I did surprised the hell out of him, right? I turned around. The two, there's a gang on the street watching me embarrass him. I turned around to sidekick him. And as I see, he has a gun. I say, hold on, brother, hold on. He shoots me, and the bullet goes through there Jeez. into my uh, intestine. I had a... Um, That's through the arm. So it was through the forearm. Through the forearm, into my intestine. I had a colostomy for like six months, eight months. I had 10 major operations. When I got to the hospital, I was out cold, uh, already in a coma, and I needed an arterial specialist to do the job, Put you back and I needed a trauma group. And here's three miracles that happened today. If you ever been in L.A., you know that Crenshaw and Florence at 12 o'clock, you got cars going everywhere. Showed off the car, pulled up, and he said, uh, first of all, my boy said, when I woke up, he said, keep talking to me, buddy, keep talking to me. I didn't know I was talking, right? Was it a paramedic who was? No, no, oh, this no. is my friend. Oh, okay. okay. He, he's heard me calling. I said something, yeah, and the guy said, your friend is calling you. He comes down, throws me in a car. Apparently, some people on the street helped him get me in a car. We drive to France and um, Crenshaw. Nobody's there. Miracle. We go to the red light, get to the um, hospital itself. We need an arterial specialist. He's coming out of the elevator to go home. The lady said, do you do arteries? He said, come on back, right? We get up there, and we need, I needed a trauma group. Well, the president or somebody or Congress had issued an edict that the trauma groups would only gather twice a year to rehearse. This was their first day rehearsing, night rehearsing. Jesus. Right? So I'm in a coma for like three days. Two three days. days you were in a coma? Probably two days, maybe three days. But anyway, I wake up, and the doctor looked at me, and he says, uh, take it out of his mouth. He's bit off three of them already. I had a catheter that I'd bitten off, right? And I'm in pain. I never knew this kind of pain existed. I've even forgotten it because that's what mine your mind Your body, yeah, you won't remember. Oh, I yeah. won't remember it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and I went to 10 major operations. And I guess I should add that an incident occurred in my life, which, which uh, I don't know how you're going to interpret it, but to this day I interpret it as, damn, really? After my third operation, I get a script from the Martin Show. <laughs> I was going to ask if you were on Martin when this happened. I get a script from the Martin Show in which my character Stan sells the radio station and moves to China. That's how I found out I was eliminated from the show. Now, the guy... 
Wait, so there was no discussion? They didn't come and ask you, like, hey, man. What I just you- told you is what happened. But you know what he did? And I'll call his name Martin. He went around to interviews saying he sat down beside my bed and moaned and did all kinds of stuff, which he never did. I don't mind. I would not talk about it were not for the fact that he said stuff that was 180 degrees turned around from what he did. Now, thinking about money, if you got a guy who's all over the nation, people are talking about him being shot, and you start writing episodes about that motherfucker, your fucking show is going through the motherfucking roof. Yeah, if you make that a storyline. Hello. To this day, I say, God damn. Because I had never had a discussion with him of anything. Was there any? Yeah, I was going to say. Not, I had no, never had Never any, talked to him again after that. Never had one bad word before that, and I haven't talked to him since. He is now uh, talking about doing the show again. So he, uh, naturally, he hasn't called me. <laughs> but uh, I wish him luck, because I love Tisha, and I love Tashina. And I wish, you know. Dude, that I, show was really popular. Yeah. I mean, Martin was the thing that, like, even white families were sitting down to be like, <laughs> Hello, yeah. And Shaniqua, you know. Yeah. Shaniqua? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. just that, yeah. I remember mean, Gil, the under, the, on Channel 2 the other morning, when talking about the name for the new baby, Kate Milton. And then, oh, yeah. So was Gil, sh- Gil Brown says, maybe they'll name her Shaniqua. <laughs> Because everybody said, maybe they named Philip. Yeah. I named him Philip. <laughs> yeah. so said, you know, maybe Shaniqua. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's why, uh, yeah, I got shot. And I now have um, significant arthritis, but With, also... The, people, the guy who shot you, what happened to him? He just ran away? Man, that's another story. Uh-huh. If you're caught with a gun and you're on parole, that's an automatic seven years. <laughs> no. He was in jail for like a year and four months. And he's out. Right, yeah. in four months. And there was no trial because I was in hospital for like a year and a half, wasn't able to come. And there were people on the street who were willing to come. Intense. You know, that's unusual. Very unusual. But they must have known who you were. Who were willing to come yeah. and say, you know. What they saw. Yeah, what they saw. And I only found out that gun was at here till when the detective told me later on. I was telling him. I said, I don't know how. He said, well, the gun was here. Because I said, he shot his so if he had been really vile and had pulled the gun when I before I did, I'd be dead. Right. Assuming. Uh because a lot of times those people don't think about No, he what, he know. didn't set out to shoot you. He no. just had a gun and wanted right, to rob right. you and then And then I'd expect that. Yeah. You know? Um but uh, you know, uh anyway I I, I love Tashina, I love Tisha and I hope Carl Payne is in it. Um I will say what's interesting is about your career. I mean obviously you're celebrating your eighty first uh, year on this planet, I mean, that's also you're you'll start working a lot. I mean, we yeah, talked about we talked about Ant Man. You were in Two Broke Girls. I mean, this is not yeah, Two Broke Girls was like what seven seasons? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. do you? Because not a lot of people at your age are getting that much work either. That's, well, th- nowadays that's, when I show up, nobody's there. <laughs> you okay, call back. You're like, oh, I get to, you. you go you right. You both live all goes, your competition. Here it goes straight to call back. Up in old home. Folks, oh, thanks for the laugh, fellas. It's Gallo's humor, Gallo's humor, humor <laughs> yeah. And 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 the, the other thing is too, are you enjoying it? It's still enjoying it as much. I mean, do you I desire to do it, enjoy, or is it just a yeah, paycheck? I, I enjoyed uh, up until last week when this thing was a problem I hadn't solved about my back. I began to wonder about that, even my state of mind. 
because uh, pain can really fuck with your state of mind. Yeah. But um, now that I've solved that problem, um, I'm enjoying it. Hey, man. Um, now, like I said, I'm an official curmudgeon. And now I can officially cuss and fart. Yeah, do whatever <laughs> you, know? you want, man. And you know that's it. I just want to like it was it was such a crazy because Brian was like I was I'm always looking for stage time, you know. And yeah. Brian and this was like years ago, but Brian was like, "Hey, remember you? We remember you hogging the stage at Ten Broke Two Broke. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, the blues and comedy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like Brian was like, "Oh yeah, you should come down to Garrett Morris has a has a place downtown." I go, Garrett Morris. Well, that guy's got. That must be confusing for him because he's got the same name as the guy who was on <laughs> SNL. <laughs> Brian's like, no, 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 it's the same guy. I go, you're telling me that that guy has a comedy club downtown and, and that you know him? He's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to come down. And literally, like, went down there, did my spot, was like, couldn't, I was like, holy shit, that's really Garrett Morris. You're like outside, like, hanging out. And I'm like, oh, this is insane. I came back, I won some dirty joke contest. And then, like, three, three times, like, three more times. And then, Were you on the aristocrat? No, I wasn't okay, in the aristocrats, okay. but okay. Uh, but I remember Kevin going, "Hey, call me up and going, Garrett, we're gonna have some people roast Garrett for his birthday. Do you want to roast him?" I go, "What? Who roast <laughs> Garrett Morris? What am I gonna say? Like, I don't know." I go, "But yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna turn down stage time, even if it is like specific material. Even you're gonna turn your back." But that's when I did a bunch of research that. on you and was like, "Holy shit! Not only have you constantly been working, yeah. but like." You got shot. I had no idea you were in a coma for three days. That's yeah, yeah. what was it? Was there is there any remembrance of that? Is it just I just remember and I tell this joke all the time. When I got shot, I'm saying like, Lord, I've been I'm a Buddhist. Say, Lord, I've been hooking up. If this is it, I'm ready to go. Boom. Then when I wake up in the hospital, I say, just ignore that, please. Just ignore <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. I'm, just kidding. I'm a comedian. I'm like, I'm kidding. You know, I'm a comedian. I see a lot of shit. <laughs> well, man, uh, it has been fantastic just to get to know you over the last couple hey, man, of years, man. and uh, really, I love... What the fuck, John Huck? It's great to know your ass, too. Oh, what the fuck, John <laughs> Huck? It's great to know your ass, too. I'm and Brian Irvin, yep. the man who uh, has uh, committed child abuse on his son, <laughs> you know, with the teabag comedy. There is a couple things since I got you here I, I, I want to tell you. One... I want to thank you I for all the... I did not shoot Tupac. No, I'm oh. well, <laughs> then, okay. that, that was the then whole the point of the show. <laughs> we were going to lead you into the only question okay. we had. Okay. Um, no, a couple of things. One, I just I want to thank you for even uh, for opening up a comedy club, fighting to keep a comedy club up for all the years that you did, being so supportive to all the comedians that you yeah. gave stage time to, oh, wow. myself included. You always went out of your way to make people feel welcome. Do you, this, didn't, you didn't just become a figurehead. You were actually genuinely engaged the, the, there was yeah. I, there, I can't tell you how many comedians would talk about what an honor it was to have you within like the first one or two rows and or side stage yeah watching laughing, laughing thanking people MC. when they got on stage oh, telling them you know what you felt about their material all that stuff matters to people who are who are try, who are out in a grind just trying to Thank make you, it man. in this business Thank you, Brad. That, that that it was a sad day when you chose to not do it anymore but to, for the, for the time that you did it was it was it was one of the most welcome places for comedians yeah. in this city you well, should Brian, know that Brian and let me tell you it was a trip for me that I thoroughly enjoyed uh, although people would question my taste about you and John. Uh, of course. But, <laughs> as they should. Um, as they should. Although I had Bill Duke tell me one night that, that was very funny. Yeah, being surrounded by brilliant communities, and I include you guys. Uh, you know I'm talking about all the people that I've yeah. dealt yeah. with. Um, just for the uh, great 
fun for me, man. It really yeah. was. And the uh, the only other thing that I want to say personally, and then I'll let John close to show up. Um, you have for me having you in my house is huge because when I was a little kid, my family. I had two different sects of family. I had my brothers and sisters. I'm the youngest of seven. They would okay. sit around the TV and and they would watch it. They'd my, pick on you. Well, my older brother loved baseball, so he was a big fan of the baseball character. My dad, to this day, still, still does the hard of hearing stuff. You yeah. kidding? Still. Oh yeah. So for the me, it's like the, the top tonight. <laughs> I'm on Brian Irvin's show <laughs> with that other motherfucker, John Hawk. Call the police to have me tied up. <laughs> so for me, it's 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 such an honor to have you here uh, and have uh, that tie Brian today. Irwin's father, uh, Jack, Jack Irwin. Jack, Jack Irwin, I eliminate the motherfucker part, okay? <laughs> but after all, and, that's not a full-letter word. Brian and John know I consider that a 12-letter word. <laughs> Very accessible. And accessible. by the way, both my parents, Jack and Edie, are hard of hearing, so they'll appreciate your loud talk. <laughs> so you got that going for them. But yeah, so thank you I so much. I want to thank for you guys for, for having me on your podcast. Oh, you oh man, no, yeah. yeah. We really appreciate you taking the time. And again, just... Uh, and thanks for keeping working. Thanks for <laughs> yeah. continuing hey. to entertain, man. Thank you, man. Okay. Yeah, okay. man. Really appreciate it. Hope, right. uh, hope there's another 81 years in you. And uh, Hey, hey. If there's just another 81 days, I got nothing to complain about. Yeah, you that's know. how I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed this. It was uh, a favorite of mine. I hope you did, too. But if you don't, eh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Who really cares? Eat some marijuana chocolate right. and relax. <laughs> Everybody. All right, cool. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll do what I do. Go home, smoke a joint, do a crossword. <laughs> Eat some uh, ice cream and look at an old Jenna James CD portal. Okay. First of all, I would do all of that except the crossword. <laughs> and Jenna Jameson. Okay. Jenna Jameson. She got pregnant. Uh, she broke my heart. I would love to see your DVD porn collection. Oh, no, you wouldn't. And you could, couldn't fit into your library. And, and here will be my dad's only question from this whole show. Who's Jenna Jameson? Who's Jenna Jameson? How do I find her online? <laughs> no! No! Oh, all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 